Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 26 of the Friday Nightmares podcast. This episode is going to be called Pets and Horror Part 1. Ooh, there will be a sequel. <laughs> but this one, we will be covering cats and dogs. Uh, I am your host, Smoke Show Crawford, coming to you from Sports Creek on... Whoa. <laughs> Sports Creek, Ontario. Yeah, yeah, Sports Creek, Michigan. Wow. Scott's moved, everybody, <laughs> and created a new city while he's at it. <laughs> Little did you know, I moved over to moved across the border, and I am, like, right That's next right. to you now. In a city that I've never even heard of. That's okay. Yes. Lots of cities in Ontario, I'm sure I've never heard of. <laughs> but uh, with me, as always, since uh, the better host of uh, introductions, <laughs> Miss... Heather Powell coming to you from uh, Detroit, Michigan, Ontario, Canada. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> from Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Um, yeah, happy to be here. I uh, did the most Canadian thing yesterday and had a fucking disgusting Tim Hortons coffee. Oh my God. That, you know, people always think when you're Canadian, you drink that and you don't. And there's a reason. I am a basic white <laughs> bitch and I like my Starbucks and I have no shame in admitting to that. Uh, that video you, you shared was freaking hilarious. Just your disappointment was showing <laughs> all over your face. <laughs> I swear that. Like, it's like fucking hashtag quarantine. This is the shit you do in quarantine. You're like, you know what would be funny? I'm going to take a video of me drinking Tim Hortons coffee and like narrating it. And then I'll make it my Instagram story because I literally have nothing else going on in my life of any kind of excitement. <laughs> I know that feeling. <laughs> right? Um, but yeah, here we are. End of January. We've been nailing it on 2021 watches. I realized when I listened back to our other episode, I was still doing that thing you do when it's the beginning of the year and you say the, the previous year, 2020. Yeah. And uh, like, that's what you do for like the month of January. You're just caught in between 20, like the year previously and then this year. You're just <laughs> like you haven't fully moved over yet. I feel anyway. Yeah, I'm pretty much the same way. I think, thankfully, thanks to my job, I'm always having to, like, stamp my invoices, and it's the current date, so I see 2021 a lot. So I think it kind of helped me just embed it in my brain that that, that we're in this year now. <laughs> Makes sense, and you have a stamp, so you have to move the stamp forward. Yeah. On, like, when you go back to work, that must be so rewarding of moving the stamp that year ahead. It is, except for the... <laughs> When we first, I uh, was at the first two weeks of January, we uh, did not realize the stamps stopped at 2020. So <laughs> we did not have stamps for 2021. So we had, we had to cross out zero in 2020 and write a one in. <laughs> so ghetto. That's really funny. <laughs> we're like, oh, shit. Apparently we were not prepared for this. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It's been a year. You know, yeah. we. I think we'll let you guys slide on not having the proper stamp for 2021. I think that's something that we can just give a pass on. I hope uh, so. <laughs> shouts out to Nudie from NFW for my awesome Camp Crystal Lake t-shirt. This is Counselor on it. Um, pretty sick. That was a Christmas gift that was apparently lost in the mail. Oh, really? He got refunded and I still got it. Wow. I think that is pretty fucking epic. So thank you, Nudie, uh, for that. That was really kind. And yeah, here's to your country for moving into the 21st century and having a president that believes in science. Um, I'm really excited to see how that goes. 
Hmm. A president that believes in science. <laughs> that is such an odd thing. It's so weird. It's crazy times. Um, right? Though I got to say, I was looking for a little bit more drama on the 20th. A little disappointed. Yeah, but I'm, I'm to... not disappointed, but I'm <laughs> shocked. <laughs> you know, it's really hard when you're following this TV show called America. And every time <laughs> you watch it, you wonder what's going to happen next. I stole that from the Netflix 2020 special. Uh, but I really enjoyed a shout out to the Psychosemantic podcast with Court, Vanessa, uh, Bo, and Darren and their uh, review of um, it the was inauguration. an inauguration. Yep. It was very, very interesting. I definitely side more with Court. Like, Court's yeah. like super angry, and I'm super angry. And like, he was getting angrier, and I was getting angrier. It's not even my country, and I was mad. All of a sudden, I was like ready to, like, I don't know, beat people up over things. Like, I was just super, super angry. Because yeah, um, he brought up a lot of very valid points of things that are being still being ignored that need to be taken care of but you know the interesting thing is and i won't get too deep into it but it's american socialists or people that consider like like socialism i know that's like a very scary word for the united states and they get all like uncomfortable (laughs) but you know if you're seen as a leftist like there's nowhere near the leftist shit that like we are in canada like they think they're so radical and i'm gonna have to go on one of those podcasts and show them what real left-wing shit looks like right (laughs) These are baby left-wing shit that they have. Um, But that just tells you how um, set America is in certain political stances because their scene is so extreme. And the stuff that they were talking about is not extreme. Um, A livable wage is not extreme. No. Increasing minimum wage. Like, we've increased minimum wage every year in the province of Ontario for the past five years. Like, that just happens. And I... And And people are still fighting over, like, saying $15 an hour is ridiculous. Yeah, like, I just... I find it really fascinating. um, And why people get so angry. Because some of the most... um, I don't want to say minute, but some of the most like what I would see as just a common sense of everybody wins. If you make more money, you can spend more money. You, you know, the economy can win more efficiently. Like there's, there's, but there's this kind of this fear of the, the haves and the haves nots. And, you know, I don't want someone to get something that I'm not getting like this whole, how you guys all got a check makes absolutely no sense. Yeah. For the people that are making over a hundred grand a year, why do they need a a check in Ontario? You get money if you need it. If you don't like I I've had in my job, this entire coronavirus thing, I haven't got any money from the government, nor do I need it. Right. (laughs) Here I am, you know, I've been working this whole time as well. And yet I'm getting the exact same checks that people that don't have a job are getting. And I'm going, you know, I'm not going to complain when I get get a free check, but you probably could make it so this money goes to people that have either had to go down to part-time or have lost their jobs. Which is what we do. And that just is not, I'm not like, why am I not getting, now there are people that are upset, don't get me wrong, but like, I just don't get, anyway, it's just so funny because I love listening to, to that podcast when they go into these rants because it's just so... Um, foreign to me that these are such complicated complex like these are things that they have to fight for and that's why they're so angry because yeah. people aren't understanding it and I'm just like but what's the, what's the issue here <laughs> how is this not um, how, how does this not make sense in the grand scheme of things right. and well, uh, yeah you pretty much said it right off the bat that's the haves and the haves not it's like oh well like the whole uh, you know talks of cancellation of student debt like there's a lot of people that are like, well, that's bullshit because my student debt didn't get canceled. I got to pay the whole entire thing. It's like, so what you're saying is uh, someone should not eat because you already ate? Well, uh, you know, it's funny. My mom and I got into this debate once. So in Canada, we have a year long mat leave. Actually, it's up to 18 months. 
which is where women make, I believe it's 80% of their salary while they're at home. If they stay for the year, if they stay longer than, than, oh, sorry, 60% um, or 65%, 65%. So it's 65%. And then if they're at home longer than the year, so they choose to do the 18 months, then that money spread out over that time. And your job is guaranteed. Like you have to go back to that job or another job. And we didn't always have that in Canada. We didn't always have this mat leave thing. And I was talking to my mom about it. She's like, you know, I didn't have that when you were born and blah, blah, blah. I said, so are, are you trying to say because you didn't have that opportunity, young mothers today shouldn't be given that opportunity and that we shouldn't move forward? So because women didn't have voting rights in the early 1900s, we shouldn't have voting rights now because they didn't have it? Right. Well, no. I'm like, so then what's what's the problem with progression? And I think that's what people need to understand is that you will, your future generations will have stuff that you didn't have. Yeah. Um, and that's how generation works. Like that's how technology works. That's how development works. That every generation will have access to things that you didn't get. You had access to things that other generations didn't get. Yeah. That's, Ab- that's just how things go. Absolutely. And I, and I think that if you look in history and someone just takes a couple minutes to look back in time and see all the things that they have that their parents didn't have access to or maybe even their older generation didn't, they would realize how absolutely ridiculous they sound. Um, Because student debt in the United States is a huge problem. Not that it's not a problem in Canada, but it's a bigger problem because your schooling costs more. Because if you're a Canadian citizen, the government pays for half of your education. Yeah, that would be nice if that happened here. So um, a lot of people don't know that, even who are Canadian citizens. They don't know that. So, uh, But that's why our tuition is slightly lower than your tuition is because of the government chipping in, but there's still debt, but like people walk out with, with a lot of debt. And when you have that kind of debt, you can't build wealth. You're not contributing to the society as much like, yeah, it's, it's, you know what, this isn't an economics podcast and we're getting way too further down that road, but (laughs) it's just a really interesting concept. I enjoyed listening to what they had to say. And, and I definitely have some right wing views. Like as much as I come across as a very strong leftist person, I definitely have some, you know, reality right ring views that work with corporate society and capitalism is what we all are involved in. But yeah, it's just, it was just fascinating. I just really enjoyed listening to people talk about politics. Like yeah. it doesn't upset me. It doesn't stress me out. I don't get like, even if they're super right wing, I've listened to super right wing people before too. I, I just like to, to know. I like to right. know. It's, how are you going to educate yourself in the whole, entire broad topic if you don't listen to both sides? Right. And, and, Every side has its logic. I just find in Americans, you guys are really mad and you're yelling at each other a lot. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of yelling. And it's it's interesting. So the 20th has come and gone. Um, nothing too too crazy has happened. I'm trying to think if anything else really cool has happened. Super Bowl's coming up. I'm kind of pumped for that. Buffalo Bills might be in the Super Bowl. We'll see what happens tonight. Um, yeah. Scott super cares about you know football. He's always like, oh man, those Lions next year next year's our year baby (laughs) that's what i say every year the lions they're they're gonna it's gonna be our year it's gonna be our year one (laughs) of these years poor detroit man it's uh that's a hard thing but have you had anything cool happen to you like Uh, not really i say pretty much just been uh working and uh doing my typical playing magic with my buddies and then uh watching 2021 horror films yeah i feel like we just doubled down on fucking horror movies I mean, we really like. I mean, it's kind of like you know what happened uh, around March when the shutdown happened for both of us. We just yeah. kind of just said, "Well, we ain't got shit to do, so let's just watch a bunch of movies." Let's just watch the motherfucking son of a bitch movies. Because how many twenty twenty one watches do we have? Like fifteen. 
I'll say, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, yeah, 15. 15 fucking 2021 watches. Oh my god. Um, that is insane. Yeah. Uh, and like, when I went through my older movies, I watched a lot, but I had to really think about, like, what was going to be impactful to talk about. Right. It was it was a real challenge. I, uh, yeah. So you know what? Here's to uh, to becoming cinephiles. Yeah, no um, shit, right? <laughs> and <laughs> I'm so excited for our topic today, too. Um, like, I think we're going to talk about two of my favorite things in the entire planet, which is cats and dogs. Um, yeah, I'll say it. And well, obviously, we all know me as the cat lady. And, uh, you know, I have my yes. own good boy, Dexter, here as well. Yep. So it's like, yep. the, this is a topic that is definitely... Uh, huge for both of us because we just have this giant heart for these animals well you're covered in pussy damn right (laughs) every day kitties are everywhere though speaking of that being covered in pussy oh my god so tim my roommate for everybody that's listening apparently took a picture of me while i was sleeping this morning because my cat stormy i was sleeping on my back and my cat stormy decided to sleep on my chest and he walked past it walked past my bedroom and seen that he came back and she had moved and was still sleeping on my chest, but apparently her ass was on my face. That is amazing. And he took a picture and sent it to me, and I'm going, what the hell? First of all, <laughs> I'm upset that this picture is not on our page. Um, <laughs> and I feel as though we're going to have to change that by the end well, of Well, I mean, episode. with this topic, we were talking about sharing pictures of our pets on our page. So. And you know what, Scott? What more of a flattering picture could you share than your cat's ass in your face? Really? Exactly. <laughs> you know, 2021 is your year, Scotty. 2021 is your year. Um, so I guess we'll dive in because we got 15 fucking 2021 movies to talk about. Um, we'll start off with the first one. Uh, do you want me to go first? Uh, yeah. Okay. So the first movie we're going to talk about today is Sorry, I Killed You. It's a uh, 2021 film and it's a comedy. It's a horror comedy. It definitely is low budget and you require a certain sense of humor for this. You really have to like campy, low budget, ridiculous, offensive films. Yes. Would you say that's the best way to classify this one here? Yep. I would basically also say if you're a fan of student bodies, you'll get a kick out of this with the humor. Absolutely. Basically, it's a a work retreat, and uh, there's a serial killer that's stalking these coworkers. Um, But apparently, the uh, the serial killer doesn't need any help in killing them because they are... Uh, some pretty chaotic people that are doing some pretty dumb stuff themselves and the hilarity uh, goes from there. It has actually a pretty decent rating on Letterboxd. It's floating anywhere between uh, two stars to four stars. I would give it probably three. I I enjoyed it, but I like um, student bodies a lot and it was very similar humor to that as Scott pointed out beautifully. And it's low budget, that didn't bother me, but there were certain scenes that I'm laughing just thinking about because they were just so ridiculously over-the-top dumb. Um, oh, they absolutely were. <laughs> you know, and, and I think if you go in there knowing that this is going to be a ridic- ridiculous, over-the-top dumb film, you're going to have a good time with it. The length of time is it is 
I don't even see what the length of time. I think it's like 88 minutes in length. There's nothing that's super long. Yeah. And um, another movie I wanted to com- kind of compare this to uh, just because of the chaoticness of the uh, characters that he's stalking. Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Yeah, I would say that's probably only Tucker and Dale versus Evil had a much bigger budget. So please don't yes. walk into this movie expecting Tucker and Dale because it's not. I think uh, I think this is like the student bodies of 2021. Only less money put into it would be probably I don't know. Maybe student bodies had a low budget too. Like I don't I don't know. That movie wasn't super over the top either. No, it really wasn't. But yeah, this right? this one I was laughing because the, the killer himself just cracked me up. Yeah, it was it was funny. It, it had some pretty good jokes. Um, so anyway, you can find it on iTunes, Google Play, Voodoo, YouTube, and Microsoft Store. I think it's worth a rental. If, you know, with the catalyst of these are the types of movies you need to like, then you'll probably enjoy it. If right. those are not your jam, you may want to skip this bad boy. Completely agree. But yeah, I, both you and I definitely recommend it because I think I gave it a three and a half or a four. You gave it four. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I had a good time with it. Like, I've, <laughs> I thought it was funny. <laughs> but like, yet again, set your expectations walking into this one um if you don't you're gonna probably be disappointed right like when you watched and just said all right here's what to expect and then i went into it i'm going okay like if i did not know that going into it i may not have enjoyed it as much yeah absolutely absolutely so you just know what you're getting yourself into when you check it out but oh my god it was great it was funny Uh, (laughs) anyway yeah we'll say we'll move on to the next one though and the next one is uh butchers from 2021 which is about a family of sadistic butchers that live deep deep in the backcountry. From the dead of winter to the dog days of summer, anyone who crosses their path is dead meat. So I got some heat on this because I compared it personally. I want to make this very clear. My own personal enjoyment of this other film made me think of this film. And that was wrong term. Yeah. Because it's the same idea as people going out somewhere, their car breaks down, and shit happens to them. Um, I thought there was more than significant gore in this film. I didn't think the gore was cut away from or there were on-screen kills. Sorry, Mark Nato, you're wrong. Um, But I can appreciate that other people may not enjoy this as much. But I honestly thought it was great. I cared enough about the characters. I thought that you know the antagonists were easily hateable and honestly it had a pretty good budget behind it this wasn't a rinky dink made film no i'll say it was well shot all the acting was pretty good um and yeah i'm with you there were uh like i do agree there are some some cutaway kills but not many like there are plenty of like on-screen stuff to satiate anybody that's into the wrong turn series or like that i honestly didn't find wrong turn that much gory and maybe because I think The Hills Have Eyes is a lot gorier. I don't think the Wrong Turn series, like, yes, there's certain ones that are much more intense in this film, but I don't know. I don't really think the quality was that different, personally. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen the first right? Wrong Turn, so I can't really compare, like, I, like, besides the story. I saw the first Wrong Turn last year. Maybe I need to watch it again, and I may be wrong, but I think that this has franchise capability. I think that this is a movie that you could expand and grow on the the lore of. And if you don't agree with me, that's fine. But this is not a shitty film. <laughs> and this is not a poorly made slasher at all. Um, I If you don't put it up in that level, that's A-OK. That's my personal preference. And I don't expect anyone else to abide by that. Uh, but I definitely think it's worth checking out. Yeah, I'll say I had fun with it. It's an easy watch. And it's like if you're into those lost in the woods and being hunted by 
crazed killers type themes, it's worth checking out, especially I, for its budget. I think this will be something that people like down the road. I really yeah, I do. Can see that. I, I feel like now, did you know they're remaking Wrong Turn this year? Yes, actually, it's supposed to. I think I think it gets a select theatrical release next week and oh. then VOD right after. Excellent. So, yeah, we'll have to watch that and see. Maybe we'll have to watch the original Wrong Turn again. Yep. Um, and then, because I watched the most recent. Which one did I watch? Wrong Turn. You watched Wrong Turn 2, Wait. I remember. I've watched all of them. I've watched Wrong Turn 1, Wrong Turn, not all of them. Yeah, I've watched like up to seven. three. Um, and they're all like, they're all fine. You yeah. know, I, I think they're fine. Um, but everyone has personal preference and everyone has what they like, right? I just really get fucking frustrated when people are like, something's a piece of shit like i'm really beginning to push back against that not that anyone has said that about this movie but i really think that attitude is immature like in like unless the movie is truly that bad this movie is not that bad just because it didn't work for you or maybe you wanted more gore in it it doesn't make it a shitty film at all right right like it's it's well acted for what it is the special effects are decent for what is shown and for a 93 minute runtime, it moves pretty fucking quick. Like I was engaged the whole time of what was going to happen. Yeah, same here. Like I, I was uh, highly entertained by it. Like I, it's not like absolutely amazing must see film, but it's definitely no. worth checking out. No, if you like slashers and you like fucking like I don't know, get stuck in the middle of nowhere and chaos happening, you'll probably enjoy this very paint by numbers plot of. <laughs> that kind of film like they're yep. all kind of the same everyone like i hate to break it to you they're all the same <laughs> people get stuck run into sadistic people fucking shit happens maybe people survive maybe they don't hashtag right. like hills have eyes hashtag wrong turn like, <laughs> like hashtag a million other movies hashtag motherface like or the yeah. chainsaw massacre right like texas chainsaw massacre um it's just who does it better really yeah. that's what that comes down to so you can find this on google Microsoft Store, Hoopla, uh, YouTube, and it is on Prime. It's on Canadian Prime as well. So if people are oh, interested, nice. you can watch it on there. Nice. And uh, well, since the film after this one is one that you've seen and I have not, I will take this next one. Okay. Uh, and this next one is a new 2021 survival horror film called Horizon Line. And it's about this woman that uh, is getting ready to go to a wedding. I forget the country she is in, but... Uh, like her and her friend uh, take a little personal airplane across the ocean to get to where the wedding destination is going to be. And the pilot ends up having a heart attack and they have to much control the plane and try to figure out where they are and how to land it safely while all sorts of other crazy shit happens on the plane. And yep. man, for like, I, I love survival horror films. You and I both do. We've talked about it multiple times. That's why mm-hmm. we did a topic on it. Mm-hmm. And this one was right up there with some of the good ones. Cause like this one had me on the edge of my seat for a lot of things, mainly because I'm terrified of heights and something like that would be absolutely freaking horrifying. So it really just had me like on edge the entire time. But I thought this was a really well done film. Yeah, I agree with you. Allison Williams is in it and she's awesome. Yes. Uh, she's the main, uh, I guess you could say, protagonist in it. And yeah, I think you summed it up perfectly. Like it's it's a very simplistic plot. It's, uh, you know, nothing brand new. It's airplane horror. So Tammy Turner from the uh, horror cast should like it because I know she loves airplane horror. Oh, yeah, that's right. Right. It's uh, it's worth it's worth a watch if you enjoy the whole how am I going to survive and maybe you have a fear of heights or open water 
or anything like that, I think you'll definitely buy into this film. Easy, digestible, 91 minutes in, in runtime. I wouldn't recommend more than a two or three ninety nine rental for this one. No. I think, uh, it's that good. If you can find it for free, all the better. It is on Vudu, Google, Amazon, Redbox, and YouTube. So um, lots of options if you do want to watch it. Yep, definitely think it's worth checking out. It's it's one of those, like I say, like for survival horror, it's it's a good one to check out. Absolutely. No, I agree 100%. All right, so the, the next one. <laughs> so this was a uh, Canadian-made film, and it's called Curse of Aurora. It, um, it's a 90-minute runtime. It's found footage, and uh, it's not that good. <laughs> <laughs> and this is why I have not seen it. You warned me. Um, both myself and Brandon Orlick from Exploding Heads watched this one. Um, I think it had some good intentions at parts. Uh, there was some really, you know, potential creepy scenes that were in it. The acting was fine. It just didn't deliver in the suspense that found footage can sometimes do. Because found footage sometimes gives you the impression that something is really happening to these people. And that, you know, this could be you in that situation. I never really had that dread. I felt like this movie did a very good job of showing rural Quebec and uh, how cold it is in rural Quebec. And the the legend of Aurora is actually quite a sad story. It's about a little girl that was abused horribly by her parents. Like we're talking um, forced to drink poison and oh, wow. whipped. And, you know, it's it's a very upsetting tale. It's You can actually hear about it on the Deadly Woman series um, if you ever want to, to learn more about it. And it really didn't... <laughs> do any justice to the to the uh, legend when i read some of the reviews that were in french it was basically like french people getting mad that it insulted the legend of aurora (laughs) oh wow what had happened um which i think is really funny because french people when they get mad are even funnier (laughs) so i I don't really recommend this even if you're a fan of found footage i don't really think it's worth your time Uh, maybe if you want to see as a first-time director and you're going to do a found footage movie of what not to do maybe um but yeah it's it's not a it's not a high watch personally for me personally for me yeah that, i was like cause you and brandon both kind of just said it was just not really that good so i just didn't bother with it yeah i think unless you really 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 love found footage and you know you're a found footage connoisseur and you really want to watch this one i i say it's worth your time i wouldn't be spending a lot of money on it you can find it on itunes google hoopla on youtube um if you do want to watch it all right um yeah, and I'll do the next one, which is uh, this one is very interesting actually, but it's uh, yeah. Fanny Lie Delivered, and it's a story about an isolated English farm in 1657 where Fanny lives a quiet life with her oppressive husband John and their young son. One day, their life is rocked with the arrival of a young couple, Thomas and Rebecca, who claim to have been robbed and need a place to stay. But are these strangers really who they say they are? And right off the bat, you can tell this is a lower budget. Um, but I have to say, like. The acting in this is incredible. This is a low-budget film with extremely high-budget acting. Yes. Well, for <laughs> one, one of the actors they got is Charles Dance. And yes. he is an amazing actor. Yes. And he did such a freaking good job as Fanny's husband in this movie. Oh, yeah. You amazing. hated him, like, but at the same time, we're rooting for him. Yeah, his character was very good at being a divide. I think a lot of people will question whether this is horror or not, and that's fine. 
the horror really picks up in the last act. Yes. Um, there's some very intense violence that occurs. And it's a good story. I think if you enjoy historical movies and storytelling, this is worth your time. It is a runtime of 110 minutes, and it deserves the runtime of 110 minutes. Um, it, it does a good job of who is narrating the story is a reliable narrator. Yep. You're not quite sure how reliable they're going to be, but it's done extremely well. The writing, the acting, everything. It is not going to be a horror for some people, and that is fine, but that last 20 minutes gets intense and builds up, and there's a lot of you know yeah, emotions, I would say, in that last, last act. Yeah, absolutely. And well, hell, even in during like the, the uh, second act, it kind of feels a bit yeah. like a home invasion film in a way. Yes, it does. Like, but this yes, is just more uh, real lifestyle horror. No monsters or anything. But and like historical, the horror of people right? and historical, yeah. Yeah, historical. And what happened during this time with the Quakers and all that other kind of stuff in 1657 and, and how oppressed women were and treatment of them and, and how some men choose to engage with their wives and their children. Like, yeah. there's some really hardcore historical realities here. And then the challenging of faith and stuff. It's a very good film. Like, I would say for me... Um, if I had to rake it out of five stars, I'd probably get it five stars because it's just a really good quality movie. Uh, whether it's horror or not, or you think it's horror or not, it's an excellently well done film. So if you enjoy historical pieces and you're willing to invest 110 minutes of your time into this, I would definitely say it's worth it. But just don't expect a lot of slashy, slashy, gory, gory stuff. Um, it's a very slow paced film, but worth it. Yeah. And it's just available currently right now on YouTube and DirecTV. Uh, so it is a little little limited where you can find it, but I think whatever rental price you pay, if you're into the stuff that Scott and I have talked about, you're going to dig this film. Yep, completely agree. Like, this was a great movie. Not so much for the next one. It, yeah, uh, I'll do that one next because, yeah, once again, the one after that I have not seen yet. Okay. Uh, but yeah, the next one, oh boy, the first Shutter exclusive uh, which is called Hunted. A woman flees two serial killers who are hot on her heels in a forest. That is the synopsis that is on Letterboxd. How pathetic is that? Mm -hmm. But it's pretty much just a quote-unquote retelling of Red Riding Hood is what they've been trying to sell this as. And, <laughs> and a kind of rape-revenge-style film. And it, this movie is a freaking mess. I, we watched this together with Brandon Orlick, and the whole entire time we're just like, okay, so you just don't give a shit about any character in this movie, even the main girl. You get no time with her before anything happens, and when the stuff does happen, you still don't get any personal time with her. It's just, like, ridiculous. The villain is way <laughs> over the top and so hyper-aggressive that just, like, he reminds me of the villain from Revenge, that like the main the boyfriend because he was so over the top like crazy when he finally snapped yeah in this he was the exact same way uh, i thought we were getting something pretty cool with the opening scene being all done in like a cartoon style animation telling the story of uh the wolf in the woods and stuff like that and then it pretty much goes nowhere with that story and like just was used to bring in two characters later that just for no freaking reason except for just to guess add up body count and then even more ridiculous shit happens that is so goddamn unbelievable this movie is an absolute joke 
and not in a good way. I could not stand this. It was such a mess to me. So as you can tell, Scott really enjoyed this film and is looking forward to having it on his top 10 list this year. Um, I, I agree with Scott. I don't think there's anything I could add except for I feel as though with this script, there was a group of people that got around and they each took turns writing a story. So there used to be this game that I would play with kids when I used to do childcare and we would start a story and you would write one line or you would say it and then someone it would go to the next person and they would add another line and then another line and then another line. And I feel like that's how they wrote the script. Because <laughs> it made absolutely no sense um, at all. It was like everyone had different creative thoughts for this movie and no one could decide which way they wanted to go. Yeah. And everyone got a turn at writing their thoughts and they just tried to make it flow together. And uh, that's a shame. That's a shame. And and maybe there's people out there that enjoy this. I will say the gore is, is great. If you like gore, you will like this movie. If that is your thing, you will probably like the gore in this. Well, I like gore and I still didn't like it. Fair enough. But you know what? There's <laughs> lots of people that have very different views than you and I do. Yeah, exactly. So, um, good friends of ours as well, too. So if you really, really like gore, then you may dig this. Um, not enough that I think you're going to give it five stars on your letterbox. No. But enough that I think you will not hate your time with it. Um, Brandon talked about how it was a Me Too movie. And him and I had a very heated discussion on how I did not think it was a Me Too movie at all. Um, just because she was battling a dude. I don't think every time a female pushes back against a dude, it's a Me Too movie. Uh, but I can see where he was coming from in his arguments. And then it definitely wasn't a Me Too movie by the end of it. I don't know what the fuck it was. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, because I never really gave my thoughts on it. But by the time the movie was over with, I was going, I still don't know how I feel. But, like, if this was a Me Too movie, they missed the fucking point. Yeah, if it was supposed to be a Me Too movie, then I don't... Like, I saw A Promising Young Woman earlier yes. that week. That was a Me Too movie. Yes, exactly. And that was done well. Right? This was not... I don't know this was. So, you know, Shutter can't always hit them out of the park. So you just, you know, I, I personally wouldn't watch it. It's on Shutter, but hey, you know, if you uh you're just looking to watch something and you want to see if Scott and I are right, check it out. Yeah, I'll say because I know there are certain people that will like it more than we did. Like because I will say it was an easy watch, like it went by fast, it was fast paced, well oh, yeah. shot. Like the cinematography in it was gorgeous because I love the setting, but yeah, the story just annoyed the hell out of me, and so did the characters. Absolutely. Now, the next one will be coming to Netflix on February 10th. But some of us, insert hair flip here, <laughs> had access to a screener. So I watched All My Friends Are Dead, and I've been bugging this son of a bitch to watch it. <laughs> and for some fucking reason, he hasn't. Um, it is a 95-minute runtime, and it is fucking jokes. It is definitely, for me, American Pie meets slasher film. And it is really fucking funny. But I say this with knowing that you need to like teen comedies with a slasher element that is raunchier and doesn't take itself seriously. Like, this is a teen comedy that is not like a teeny boppy like co comedy like this isn't this is something not this isn't scary movie okay it's not that extreme it's like the step before scary movie and it's really funny it's a polish film so it's subtitled and it is it is i, I you just got to watch it just watch it it is jokes if you enjoy teens and people just making fun of every stereotype that's out there 
and ridiculous over-the-top scenes, over-the-top gore. Scott will be so happy with that third act when he does watch it. It will make his little nine-year-old heart just explode from his chest. (laughs) Check this out on Netflix. It will be dropping February 10th. It is, if this is a sign of things to come internationally on Netflix, son of a bitch, I'm in Netflix. I think you're going to nail it this year. So Yeah, because this is one that I know you've been getting on my case to watch it and it's subtitled, so that's why it's taking me a little bit because yeah, I Scott cannot watch it at work. That's why. Yeah, yeah, I can't read. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't watch it at work. And when I got home, I was doing a lot of uh, movie prep for uh, our sh- or for the topic tonight. So I just translation. Didn't... He wanted to watch kitties and 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 buffies. He didn't want to watch this movie. <laughs> right, exactly. He's like, I could watch this, or I could watch Man's Best Friend. I'm gonna watch Hell yeah. best friend. Um, but yeah, I I strongly recommend checking this out on Netflix when it drops. Yeah, I might actually try watching this tonight or tomorrow then. I I think you will have a very, very good time with this film. Uh, knowing uh knowing you and your opinion, like like knowing my taste, yeah, I believe it. Like we give out awards for comedy. I this will be definitely a strong contender depending what comes out this year and may even grace my top ten. Nice. That's how much I enjoyed it. All right, yeah, so I will get my I'll get my ass in gear and watch it. Yeah, stop being a slacker. I will, I will. <laughs> so I will take on the next one. Uh, you and I watched this last Sunday together, and that is Don't Tell a Soul, which is two thieving teenage brothers stealing money to help their sick mom match wits with a troubled security guard stuck at the bottom of a forgotten well. And this one stars Rain Wilson and uh, what was the kid's name? Uh, and the kid Jack from Dillon. It. Yep, Finn Jack Dylan Whitehead. Oh, and Jack Dylan Grazer. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, Jack Dylan Grazer was Eddie from It and uh, Mina Savari as the mother. Uh, but yeah, man, we weren't sure about this film at first because, like, there were a lot of plot, like, plot holes when it first starts off because there's a lot of unanswered questions. But as this movie progressed, it just kept getting better and better mm-hmm. and better. And mm-hmm. it did one of those things that some some films just don't do but this one pulled it off and it was it came back and answered every question we had from the very beginning mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. it made and it so covered its sense. ass if you look back and you think of lines that were said it covered its ass into why things were certain ways yes. there were certain throwaway lines that happened at the beginning of the movie that if you go back to and you're like oh that's why they said that yep exactly and right uh rain wilson's performance in this steals the freaking show like yeah i thought everyone was good to be honest with you i thought he was exceptional but i thought no one was shitty no like even the two brothers they were fucking mint man like especially the antagonist brother like holy shit that kid yeah like these performances are just way up there for this year so far like just really really well done movie and like it's definitely one of my surprise favorites of the year so far Absolutely. This was a movie that there was another movie on this list that did this for me as well. That at the beginning, I'm like, what the fuck is this shit? Like, what is this? This is so stupid. And then midway through, I was like, I was wrong. 180. This movie is mint. This is great. I am digging this. And it's totally my jam. Um, so yeah, I would recommend watching it and it's available a lot of places. You can get it on iTunes, Google, uh, Microsoft store, YouTube, and Cineplex app here in Canada. 
So yeah, watch it. Watch yep. it. It is. I recommend worth. It. Yep, I'll say worth <laughs> the rental. Right. Even if you're like, eh, not horror enough for me because I'm a snob and I'm going to call it a thriller because even though I just feel the need to do that, if for some reason you feel that way, <laughs> um, this is still worth your rental. Okay. This, whether you don't believe this is a fucking horror movie or not, this is still worth whatever money you will pay for a rental. Yep. Absolutely agree. And I consider it horror for sure. All right. Next one. Isn't yeah? It's me, right? Bloody hell. Yep. So I think Scotty liked this movie more than I did. Uh, same with Brandon, because we watched this with Brandon or Lick, because we just have threesomes all the time. So yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> so this movie is a it's a comedy. It's a horror comedy. Uh, it's basically about a dude who leaves to go to another country, and some fucking chaos occurs. Uh, parts of it I felt dragged out. I'm being really limited with what I'm saying because I feel like if I say too much, I kind of give too much away. The yeah, well, this one is kind of hard to do. Right? Like, it's a pretty basic plot. You're not looking at anything that's, like, over the top. Uh, but it's basically, you could say, a survival-like film. The second act dragged for me, which really brought it down for me personally. But well-acted, well-filmed, high-budget movie. I'm going to let Scott talk about it more because I feel like he dug it more than I did. Yeah, I did. But uh, like, I do agree with like the same issues that uh, you had with it. Like, uh, cause yeah, that second act, they were stuck at a certain location for a bit too long, I think. And there could have been more done, mm -hmm. but uh, the performance from the main guy, uh, what is his name? Uh, it is Ben O'Toole. I believe that was, yeah, Ben O'Toole. Yeah, ben O'Toole. Uh, I do have to say, he his performance throughout this he plays kind of a uh a i'll say like a uh kind of different character personalities and and it's uh very well done the way he performs it yeah he's like the acting is out of this world and the third act is awesome yeah. the third act and the ending is fucking great like I, I nothing but praise for it like it's really 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 good it's just that second act for me, yep. just like I was like, this this could have been shortened, or you could have done other st stuff with this, but still a highly, highly recommended movie. Like it's yeah, still very much worth your time. I will say with him, like he is what helped get through that second act a little more. Yeah, his like acting mainly, chops pulled it off. I agree. Yeah, because like if it was done by another actor, I don't think it could have been done with enough to keep me interested. Well, I don't like, criticize him for that. That was yeah. Important, you yeah, know, exactly. and I think he delivered the lines pretty good yep yeah, because yeah like that like if it wasn't for him i don't think i would have been a, nearly as invested during that second act so yeah like well as you can tell we're really trying not to say anything about this film because there is like just like spoilers galore for this film and like yeah, yeah just just check it out for yourself it if is you definitely like comedy worth a watch. horror comedy i think you'll enjoy this it's on google voodoo youtube and microsoft store and definitely worth whatever rental you pay for it you're not going to be disappointed yeah i'll say it's entertaining for sure uh, and then, and will... yeah, the next one. Wow, we got so many. Gosh, right. Nice. All right. So this one uh, will be an uh, interesting one. Yeah. Uh, it is 10 Minutes to Midnight, which is uh, bitten by a rabid bat. A late night radio host terrorizes her coworkers as she slowly transforms into a vampire. And this stars Caroline Williams um, as kind of like this uh, retiring, I guess, shock jock if you would say, like, late night shock jock on the radio station. And I believe it is supposed to be her last night. And, yeah, she gets bit by a bat. And then, yeah, it kind of dives into a vampire movie, I think, kind of. I guess you could say that. It's definitely a low-budget film. It it talks about aging and grief is really what this movie is about. It's, it's you know, confronting aging. I feel with this film, you are either going to think it is awesome 
or you're going to think it's the biggest piece of shit you've ever watched. Like, I feel like there's going to be very few people that are in the middle. And I was like, I'm, in, I'm in the middle on this one. Very few people, I repeat, yeah. <laughs> that are going to be you, okay? Most people are going to either be like, this was boring, I didn't like it, or going to be like me and Brandon Orlick that were like, oh my God, this movie is great. Yep. Right? It's, it's going to be what comes down to your personal preference, how much you dig metaphors in movies and, you know alternatives to like someone kind of just walking through and talking about aging and the challenges that come with aging like this movie is all about fucking metaphors like i don't know what i'm trying to like bullshit here it's about metaphors and if you like metaphors (laughs) and you like metaphoric shit you're probably gonna like this if you don't parts of this movie are gonna bore you and confuse you and you're not gonna understand the purpose yeah because i will say uh i was digging it up until the third act and then the third act hit, and I'm going, what the fuck am I, ha- what is happening? What, I'm very, very confused. Like, you, I was sharing it in our messages, like, and I was going, I'm so lost, and what the hell's going on at this point? Like, I don't know what's real, what's not real, what, is she hallucinating, yeah. blah, blah, blah. I, it got to the point where I was just kind of like, all right, I'm just going to enjoy the ride, but I really have no idea what's going on at this yeah. point now. Like, and but I get, uh, I get the that. performance, but Caroline Williams did a great job, and, like, this is definitely one of those, like, low-budget films that mad respect for because it was really well done for its budget i just looked down at my phone and this is so pregnant to this conversation we're in a chat group with other podcasters and mike merriman from no more room in hell fresh Cuts said 10 minutes to midnight was a weird one and i think that (laughs) sums up right there that people are going to have different opinions on this i would say to you you a have to be okay with low budget and two you have to be okay with a lot of metaphors and something that really explores the aging process and how anyone could be anyone and how identities can be fluid referring to the third act okay that makes a little more sense you know it's it's very artsy like it's a very artsy film so if that's what you dig and that's the kind of thing you're into you can find this on youtube voodoo direct tv amazon and microsoft store if that is your your jam yeah, I'll say it's definitely worth checking out. Or you like uh, Carolyn Williams, you know? Yeah. Maybe you're a big fan of her and you want to support her, then I would say you'll enjoy it. Yeah, because I was going to say, she kind of, in a way, is kind of portraying her, uh, a retiring version of her DJ character Stretch from Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Yeah, yeah. Like, she she definitely, you know, she's not the best actor in the entire planet, but she's she's decent enough in this film. Yeah, I think for what for this role, she did really good. Absolutely. It's entertaining, and it's a 73-minute runtime. You know, you're not you're not dragging this out, but I don't I don't think most people would want to spend more than two ninety nine or three ninety nine on this. Yeah, but it's still worth um, at least checking out. Absolutely. All right. Next is mm-hmm. I guess it's my turn, right? Yep. Run, hide, fight. So we all know that if you listen to the show and you're on our Facebook page, that I made a very uh clear post earlier this week about how I felt about this movie, and then my boss Jerry Herring backed me up, which means I'm obviously a hundred and ten percent right on this situation. Um this movie is about school shootings. It's hundred and nine minutes, it does not overstay its welcome. It's extremely well acted and it is for me, and I said this in the Facebook post and I'll say it again, there is nothing scarier than, than school shootings. If you want to say this is a thriller because, and I honestly feel this way, I think people throw the thriller thing around just to justify their own definition of horror. Because when we did our first episode and we talked about horror, it was so flexible, that definition of what it is, that yep. I feel like I really get pissed when people say that's not a horror movie. It's actually not you to judge whether something's a horror movie or not. If you don't think it's horror, 
that's fine, but that doesn't give you the movie god right to say that. So this movie to me is very much a horror film. If you don't think it is, that's fine. Don't tell me it's not though, and we won't get into debates. So <laughs> um, there is some gore in this. It is heavy. There's some really upsetting scenes. So I would say if anyone has been involved in a school shooting before, this would be very hard to watch. Very triggering. Um, but some of the, the dialogue is the realest I've ever seen. Yeah. It's the realest I've ever watched between two teenagers talking about choices and and reasons why they're doing things. It's, it's fucking real. And I think it shows us how unprepared we are for when these things happen. Um, excellent film. I can't praise it enough. But yet again, that's my personal opinion on it. Everyone is going to be different. I'll let Scott talk about what he thought of it. Yeah, because I am pretty much right there in agreement with you with everything you said, including that it's considered horror. Because, yeah, like you said, this is real life horror. This is stuff that parents and children are now terrified of when they go to school, which should not be a freaking thing, but it is. Well, we had and, Columbine when we were in high school, too. Yeah, that's like, what I'm saying. This shit has been going yeah. on for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> and But right? like, that's, that's the sad part. But, man, this is one of those, like, this is the hidden gem of 2021. Because I don't see anyone talking about it besides, like, when you made a post about it, and then when Mark Nato posted and Tim Davis posted. Like, yeah. three people from the horror community. But haven't heard anyone on any, like, regular movie group pages I'm on talk about this film or anything. But this is one of the heaviest films I've had to sit through. I was in tears in certain certain scenes. Mm-hmm. They, the filmmaker does not shy away from showing you the brutal reality of what happens. And it also pretty much makes uh, calls out the stupid rules that schools have for school shootings and how to deal with it. Yeah, yeah. And and I didn't think this was a pro-gun movie. I, I, no. I was talking with another podcaster about this. I They hadn't seen it. They were asking if oh, okay. I thought that it was a pro-gun movie. And I said, first of all, like, I'm not – guns aren't the same – like they're not the same issue that they are in the states because we don't have conceal and carry yeah right like we do have guns but you can't just walk around with one on is there a lot of illegal guns in canada of course just like there is in the states right like that happens either way but um i didn't get the feeling that this was pro-gun myself no i i didn't get the feeling that it was pro-gun or even anti-gun like i just felt like guns were just there like i didn't i didn't feel like they were like oh yeah like everyone needs to be armed to protect themselves or guns are so bad like there were lots of dangerous things that were used in this film beyond guns like you Um, could tell there is a pro-gun father figure yeah but makes sense because of what that father did as a living right exactly and what his hobbies are like <laughs> you know yet again i wouldn't think that that was a political thing no i like i, I didn't see right. like the political thing of this is just like what happens during this situation it was very much of like are we prepared to deal with this shit no we're not no and you know and the real carnage that can happen you know and of course like it's the antagonist or the protagonist is like over the top of course right yeah. like you're you're gonna have somebody that's able to but she's definitely someone you can get behind <laughs> Yeah, like right. I was rooting like, for her throughout this fucking movie. Like, yes, you know, girl, fucking get it. She's a great actress. Um, yeah. And the the antagonist, the lead, this was his first motion picture. Are you serious? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's impressive. Yeah. yeah. He was a pretty good. You hated him. Yeah. You you hated him. Um, and that's great that you should in this role. Like that was his job was to make you hate him. Yep. Absolutely. Right. So I think that um, whether you want to call it a thriller, whether you want to call it a horror, I don't want to get into that debate with you, but this is a good movie. 
uh, and I think it's worth your time, but please note that it is, it is heavy. Um, and if you have kids in school and this is something that's really sensitive for you, or you've been, you know, involved in something like this, um, as a victim, I, I think it could be hard to watch as well. Yeah, I completely agree. Now um, I have nowhere to watch it yet. I guess we saw a screener, so I don't know if it's been dropped oh, yeah. yet. Yeah, because I, um, I think it's the screener, but I do have to say when it does come out, like this is a very high recommend for me. Like I've given this a 10 out of 10. Yeah, I I agree. It will be on my, very likely it will be on my top 10. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not coming out till March. So you're going to have to wait till March to actually see this. I'm going to assume that it will be on YouTube, Prime, uh, Cineplex in Canada. And it's definitely worth worth the, the view of it. Yep, completely agree. All right. So the next one is, oh, I guess I saw this one, didn't I? Yep. You didn't see this. I'll just do this one then. This one is Skull. Uh, this is something that Scott will probably like. It's, <laughs> it's the story of an ancient mask that, uh, you know, makes people do evil things. <clears throat> you might be the killer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit similar uh, to You Might Be the Killer, only it is a Brazil movie. It's Brazilian. It's it's pretty interesting. The If you like gore, all those gore hounds out there and practical effects, you are going to like be pretty excited when it comes to this film. You might have to watch it with pants off because there's so much gore in it. Hell yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Effects. So very, very gory. Uh, fun, fun movie, 90 minute runtime. It wasn't like, oh my God, this is the best movie in the world for me, but I could see a lot of people digging it. They do a pretty good job with the lore of the skull and how the story moves along. It's currently not available anywhere yet. It is a screener, so you're going to have to wait for it to come out. I don't know where it's dropping. This could be something the shutter may pick up. To be honest with yeah. you, after watching it, I thought, this is something that could be on Shutter. So let's see here if we have a date for release. It was released in the UK last year. So we're still waiting to see who's going to pick it up now. I'm going to assume that it will be available on YouTube, Prime, the usual methods of renting movies. But I have a feeling this might be a, a Shutter exclusive eventually. Like this really does give me a vibe of something that Shutter would pick up. So okay. maybe watch for it on Shutter this year too. Um, the one question I had, because I watched the trailer to this, is it look really low budget? Um, it looks like it is from the first beginning of the movie, but it's not. Okay. The practical effects and stuff that they use, like I'm sure it's lower budget compared to us because it's a Brazilian film. Right. Right. But I think for you and your little heart that liked Ghost Coilers versus Bloody Mary, <laughs> I think this is going to be right up there in the same kind of realm. Awesome. Okay. I will have to check right? this out. Then. So I think you'll definitely dig it. Uh, for and for everyone else, I you know if you liked Ghost Killers versus Buddy Mary, or you liked you might be the killer. Now this is way more gory and gross than you might be the killer was, and not and takes itself way more seriously. Okay, but uh, yeah, it's it's definitely worth it. I think you know yet again if you like foreign films and you like this whole like mystery mass thing, you'll it'll be your jam. All right, well I will definitely have to try checking this one out this week then. Yeah, get on that. Get I on will. it. Get on it. Get, get down on it. Get down on it. <laughs> 90s are back. Yeah. Um, uh, so I'll jump onto this one. Uh, this is one that uh, you you watched first and recommended to me. And it is yeah. called We Are the Missing. And this plays out pretty much. Well, we could have covered this in our mockumentary episode. We absolutely we could have. 
because this plays out a lot like uh, a documentary and uh, reminded us both a lot of Lake Mungo, the way it is done. Lake um, Mungo! Lake Mungo. But uh, this is about a story, uh, story about this town where it starts off about talking about this one missing person, this teenager just went missing. And then the parents talking about how they're doing everything they can to try to find her. And then people, more people start showing, uh, ended up missing and more people end up missing and more people end up missing. And there ends up being like this uh, folklore style urban legend story about this creature that's out there. And like when it starts off, it just plays out like a typical documentary. And like, I was like, okay, this is all right. You know, it's okay. And then as it continued, holy crap, this movie, like like you said earlier, did a 180. Like, it just turned around and got really freaking creepy and just really well done. Like, I was very impressed with this one. Like, once again, another surprise from this year. I, I know, expect. right? I, I, like you said everything, I like, I was watching that first 20 minutes and I was like, oh my god, fuck, these interviews are bad. Because it starts off with interviews. And then it got better like a lot better and i know you never thought it was bad you were kind of digging it right from the beginning yeah but i thought it was okay like i I wouldn't think it was bad or good i was just like yeah it's there it's not bad and then it does this switch and i was like fuck yes fuck yes um dave c i think you might like this film i think you may enjoy this quite a bit i suggest watching it are you watching it when it comes out um it's it's been it was released in canada last year there it's not on any u.s streaming services yet i assume it will be soon uh we did see a screener of it i guess you could say a screener american screener of it uh yeah it's 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 a very good mockumentary not as good as lake mongo but definitely took some good points from lake mongo yes and absolutely and this is definitely a mockumentary Unlike what they called Diary of the Dead. <laughs> yes, definitely better than Diary of the Dead. I wish we had covered this instead of Diary of the Dead. Yes, because um, that would have fit that theme way more. Way better. And it's a better movie. Yeah. Like a way better movie. So I definitely Absolutely. recommend people checking it out for sure. Uh, hopefully it will be released February, March. Uh, check for it on streaming services, whichever, or rental, uh, maybe where it is instead. Yep. And yeah, like Heather said, this has Dave Z written all over it. Oh man, Dave Z, if you're, well, Dave Z always listens. Dave Z, I really think you're going to like this movie and uh, I think you should cover it on Exploding Heads. Ooh, yes, that'd be really yeah, good. I think so. All right. So we'll jump into the last two, which are ones that I have seen that Heather has not. Um, well, you haven't seen the last one just yet, have you? I haven't seen either one. Okay. Yeah, right. I'm. Uh, I'm gonna let you finally do some work. I know, right? Oh, fuck <laughs> sakes. So this is one that was like a independent, uh, like kind of low budget anthology horror film called The One Hundred Candles Game, and it's basically a story about these people that go into this uh, like dilapidated building, and it's. I'd say they're probably like college age or even a little older than college age, but they hear about this rumor about this place where you have to light a hundred candles around you and uh, each of you tell scary stories to each other. And then after your scary story is done, you go into a bathroom and look into the mirror carrying one of the candles and you blow that candle out and you do this until all 100 candles are out and something scary is supposed to happen. And so the wraparound with that hundred candles game, eh, it's, it's whatever. It's just a piece to kind of tie the rest of these little short stories together. But I will, yep. Yeah. I will say that this anthology has some pretty uh, interesting short stories in them. Mm. Some are like super short, like, like Like short, like you, "Mm, you son of a, (laughs) sorry, I hate you. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Oh, but, uh, 
Now this one, like the first story was so short. I'm going, oh, am I in for an ABCs of death style? Like one after the <laughs> other, really short ones that really don't give you time to know what's There's going some, on. Like crazy masturbation story that comes. You're right. Out I'm nowhere. like, oh, what am I getting Cartoon myself about into? A toilet. Yeah. Who knows, right? <laughs> But no, it was just super short, but the rest of them were varied in all different sorts of lengths. They were between like 10 minutes to 20 minutes to 15 minutes. There, But yeah, I don't think there was a single story in this that I thought was bad. I thought they were all either decent to pretty good. Like, mm-hmm. so if you are a fan of just like horror anthologies and just like to check out, because, you know, horror anthologies are basically just a collection of short stories by different mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. So if you're interested in just checking out these short stories, give it a watch. It's not that bad. Uh, I don't know exactly where it's uh, available yet or if it is even available. Um, trying to look that up right now. I don't think it is available anywhere yet. I feel like some of the ones that we watched in the latter half of this week are ones that are not haven't had an official release date yet. Yeah, because I'm looking and I do not see it listed anywhere yet. Yeah, you're the so. only one I know that's watched it. All right. So yeah, just uh yeah, if you're a fan of anthologies, I'd say it'd be worth like a two ninety nine rental or the dollar ninety nine rental. Like, that's a lot of candles to light. It right? That's that feels like a waste of money. Um yeah. <laughs> Like you go to Yankee Candle, and you'll take. I'll take a hundred of your finest candles, please. Yep. See, that'd be twenty dollars per candle. Oh, yeah, let's do that. That's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> At least we know the the house that we're going to be staying in while we tell these stories. They're going to smell amazing. It's going to be the best smelling house ever. Fuck yeah. <laughs> now, what about this little bad boy after this oh, stuff here? Oh boy. So this movie right here has been my most anticipated film of this year, or one at least one of them, and like was high up there, and that is PG Psycho Goreman. Uh, this is done by uh, Steve Kostansky, who was uh, one of the directors for, because there was two directors for it, but uh, one of the directors for The Void, which was one of my favorite movies from 2017, I believe it was. Um, he is a makeup artist that has done like stuff for It Chapter 1 and 2, like he's done a lot of like high profile movies as a makeup effects artist, but he is also part of this collective called Astron six, which is a Canadian filming team. And these guys have done just some ridiculous off the wall movies that are usually like just gory as hell, funny as hell, crude, and just all around like highly entertaining movies that kind of cover one type of genre of horror or something along those lines. And, uh, but he decided to do this movie called PG Psycho Gorman, which is about these two young kids, a brother and sister, end up unearthing a evil alien overlord that was somehow like buried on Earth. And they end up when they end up accidentally resurrecting him, they this amulet falls out of the uh, container that he's in and the girl picks it up. And when he fully awakes, he tries to kill them and she realizes that she has complete and utter control of him with this amulet. And he ends up doing everything that she says to her bidding. And it is freaking hilarious. It is so goddamn funny. Like, this is this movie was everything I had hyped it up to be in my head. Like, I was so happy because I was worried. I'm like, okay, I overhyped this. But no, it is everything I wanted from this movie because it's got amazing makeup effects. Like, a lot of unique suit designs and creature designs. Gore is off the charts. Like when it gets violent, it gets ridiculously violent. And one and the acting is all just entertaining as hell and fun. And just the father especially is just freaking hilarious. And um, 
But one thing I got to give this movie credit for, it did very, very incredible world building to the point where you could see many movies based in this universe because of like all the world building of all the characters that he brought into this and the story behind every single character and their back and their backdrops for their race and all that stuff. I wonder if I'm going to be the oddball that doesn't enjoy this. I'm wondering. And and it's not that, and of course, you know me, I'll walk away and say it was a good film because I didn't enjoy the void. Right. I didn't. That one was very Lovecraftian too. Yeah. But, Stuff like this, like, I did not have the excitement for Psycho Gordon that you did. Like, no. I watched this, I'm like, this looks like a kid movie with, like, fantasy shit. And I don't like fantasy shit. Because it's not political horror, Scott. I know. And, I'm and you know interested. Me, <laughs> and you know me, I love my, like, over-the-top splatter flicks. And this right? is pretty much along those lines. Except uh, I think you will find some entertainment out of it because it is so ridiculous. And, it like, it does remind me of the Giver meets Mighty Morphin Power Rangers at times, too, which... So you'll have some nostalgia there. I, I don't think guess. I'll hate it by any stance. Like no, this feels like a high quality film. And when I look at, you know, my good podcasting friends on Letterboxd, I see four and a half stars, four and a half stars, five stars. Um, I see one one star, and you know, everyone has personal preference, right, to what they to what they feel. Oh, absolutely. So I feel like this movie, no matter what, is well done. Um, yeah. It's just in terms of whether I'm going to love it or not might be a completely different thing but it's available on voodoo microsoft store direct tv amazon and fangoria now yep and i will say right now uh this is my number one right now at this point of 21 2021 horror films i will be shocked if this is not in my top five by the end of the year that's how how much i love this movie and I think you will be closer to in line with Mr. Orlick, maybe a little less with his rating. Yeah, probably. But like, I think I only like angry political films or films to talk about metaphors. Right. But you get, it says something. It says something when he gave us his score rating, that says something because his score rating was pretty high. Yes, uh, I agree. But um, yeah, no, I'm, and yet again, I'm not a dick. If for some reason it wasn't a good fit for me and I can still walk away and see it's a good quality film, I have that maturity to do that. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, and this will also say something too. Tim, actually, my roommate, sat down with me and watched it and he was laughing like a maniac, but at the end of the movie, he was just going, Jesus Christ, Scott, what did we just watch? Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. That tells me all I need to know then. But at the um, same time, he loved every bit of it. Did he though? He did. He was like, <laughs> Because he kept teasing me going, I can't believe you're making me watch this, but thank you for making me watch this. <laughs> I love it. Speaking of fucking exploding heads, um, Brandon just messaged us and said, hi, ladies. I'm really offended that he's only referring to you there. Ooh. I don't think that's really fair. Yeah, what the hell? Like, stop assuming our gender, Brandon. Right? Fucker. Anyway, um, that makes it for our 2021. 20, I even put 2020 here. Oh, Heather. Oh, you did. <laughs> I did. 2021 watches the 15 of them. Good times. So now yes. we're going to talk about our older films. Um, so I guess I'll go first because mine are listed first because I'm the best. You're the best. <laughs> oh, no one's going to ever bring me down. I sing that song to Mickey, only I say he's the best pop around. Oh, that's because he is. Yes, he you, is. Didn't, you didn't hear that, Dexter. Yeah, Dexter, I didn't mean it. It was one time. It was one time. Just one time. Just one time. So I have been working through the uh, 100 100 Hinted Gems of Mark Nato, of Mark (laughs) Nato's, of the horror cast. And 
one of the movies I watched was The Shortcut. And this is the one and only movie that was made by Adam Sandler's company, Madison. Oh, yeah, that's right. And it was called Scary Madison. And it came out in 2009. And and the basic of it is there's a shortcut and there's this crazy person that lives in this this area and kills people that takes a shortcut. And honestly, out of all the films that... I have seen from the 2000s. This was probably one of the better 2009, like 2000 movies. There's a scene in there of gore with uh, Dave Franco that is fucking cringy. Like something happens to him and you're like, oh, (laughs) it's it's intense. Um, Yeah, I recommend checking it out. I I think if you just want to see what Adam Sandler's company shot at horror movies were, it was a decent little horror movie. Like it is, it is a 2000 movie. So it has that 2000 twang to it, but it was pretty cool. So if you're an Adam Sandler Sandler fan or a Madison fan of the films that come out of his company, you know, minus what was the one that came out last year? Hubie Halloween. Oh yeah. Hubie Halloween. Oh boy. (laughs) And the the mom with the shirts like boner donor. And Oh my God. (laughs) That, That shit was funny. Anyway. Um, yeah, it's worth watching. I also watched Bay of Blood from 1971. Uh, Mario Bava film, if I remember correctly. Yes. Um, trying to watch more 70s films. This film was good. I definitely learned where uh, some kills were stolen from for the Friday the 13th mm-hmm. franchise. Uh, but I'm not sure of how much of a fan I am of Italian films. So I think I need to watch more. I did enjoy this film. I did enjoy some of the gore that was in it um, and the storyline of it. But they do a lot of close-ups. Yes, the, like a lot of close-up shy, shot of eyes. All the time. Yeah. For what I consider no reason. So I it's think their I just, filming style. It's their, yeah, right? So I feel like I just need to watch more. And Yeah, because one thing I will say about Italian films is they're definitely an acquired taste because mm. – uh, I, I thought I really liked them because there was a handful of films I really enjoyed. So I started watching all these other ones that were just like kind of more hidden gem style. And I'm going, maybe I don't really like, maybe I only like the really well-known ones that are like well-made. But some of these, I'm just like, these movies make no sense. But I'm kind of with you. I want to kind of explore more. Like maybe this could be a topic we can cover at some point on our epi- one of our episodes too. Yeah, like A Bay of Blood is pretty popular, right? So yeah. I feel like if I struggle with Bay of Blood, I may not want to go too. I don't maybe don't want to go too far off that road. Um, if it just want to go down that road, a lot of history down that road, a lot of ass shots down that road, <laughs> a lot of dramatic music and pausing and like zooming and stuff. Um, and that's fine if that's if you enjoy that style of filmmaking. I'm not shitting on your parade here. Like you do you. I just may not work for me. But I'm gonna try to watch more and see how that goes. I also watch Cat's Eye. 1985. Yes. Yeah, what a good little anthology. You're right. It was fun. Yeah, it's a. I really it, liked it. Yeah, I thought it was just a very fun anthology. Like, I remember watching it when I was very young, and the troll in this movie terrified the shit out of me. And I thought there was actually going to be a troll that would, like, steal my breath from me when I was a little kid. Did you have cats? Of course I had cats. I've grown well, don't up. Don't worry, the cat was going to protect yeah, you. Exactly. Nothing that, to worry about. That's pretty much what my mom told me, too. Yeah, the cat, the cat fucks shit up and gets shit done. I, know, that, I like, really like that cat. Um, dude, that cat was amazing. Yeah, through all the stories, I thought the cat was great, and the quitting 
smoking one I thought was really good. James Wood was great in that. Like it's a yeah. it's a fun little anthology. If you haven't seen it, check it out. I think it's one of the Stephen King's better enjoyable films to watch to be quite honest i guess he has lots of great films out there but i really enjoyed this one i thought it was really great yeah i completely agree with you like because i rewatched it uh last year and yeah that was the first time i'd seen it since i was a kid and just yeah i really loved it like it yeah. was just a lot of fun and it had to do with our pet horror we watched a lot of pet horror because uh, <laughs> you know scott and i love cats and dogs so this was our excuse to watch every single horror movie that had cats well, and dogs in it and that says something too because normally you don't go with the theme of our episodes and just watch a bunch of those movies tied to that theme this one you went fucking balls balls to the wall with them i did i went balls deep you did <laughs> and like i just love the cat in this one and i love how cujo's at the beginning and yeah that was a really cute tie-in uh but yeah and then i watched hostel part three to finish off the hostel series so this came out in 2011 i like it better than the first one to be quite honest and it's not that i don't i'm pretty sure if i saw the first one when it first came out i would have a different opinion you know, Maybe. full disclaimer, I saw the, the the first one like 20 years later from the original release date. So obviously filming has changed a lot since then. But I liked this. This is where they go to Las Vegas and fucking shit goes down in Las Vegas. And I, you know what? It's on Netflix in Canada and I totally recommend watching it. Like if you enjoyed Hostel Part 2 and the first Hostel or definitely, like definitely watch this. I would say for me, the rankings are Hostel Part 2, Hostel Part 3, and then Hostel 1 uh hostel part three because it's in vegas it obviously takes a different spin to it it doesn't have that same backpacker middle of nowhere it kind of makes you feel like this shit could happen in the united states uh which it happens to a different degree like it is a different it is a different formula than the other ones so i could see why maybe people didn't like it i dug it i thought it was fucking entertaining as hell and uh the characters you liked who you liked and you fucking hated who you hated and um sylvester stallone's son's in it sly or really? sly stallone yeah interesting so he was a he's a he, at, i was like who's because like, i saw in the credits like sky salone and i'm like who is it and then he came on screen i'm like oh that's him <laughs> nice <laughs> definitely looks like a younger version of salone definitely yeah, it sounds like this is one i'll have to check out because i've only seen the first two and i'm yeah, with I you i like, like part it. two i like part two better than part one so yeah part two i found just a better story too yeah. and you know there was a little bit of like someone gets their comeuppance at the end and you really kind of dig into that and I don't know. I found the first one. Those guys were just so unlikable. Yes, absolutely. That like, is 100%. I agree with that. Even the dude that you were supposed to kind of like, you were like, he's a douchebag. And even though he kind of redeems himself, you're like, he's still a douchebag. Yep. Like, you know, it was just, uh, yeah. Yeah, they could have done a lot more. Yeah. I'll say for its time, I'm. It, yeah, it, it's just one of those movies. So there was more for shock, I think. Absolutely. And it's not to take away from it. You know, if people really dig the first hostel and they think that that's a... Uh, you know, a piece of cinematic history, which it probably is to a certain extent because of how shocking it was at the time of what they showed. I just think the second and the third are better quality films. Yeah, because I definitely agree with part two and I'll have to check out part three to yeah, see. Uh... I want to hear what you have to say. That'll be interesting. Okay, yeah, I'll have to watch that one then. Um, so I guess, I guess it's my movies now, right? It sure is. All right. So, you know me, when we pick a theme, I, I go all in and go uh, balls deep. I go balls deep shaft balls everything's in it's gone um but uh 
the movie I ended up uh, starting with, I ended up finding on YouTube. Well, I did some Google searches trying to figure out, like, good, because I wanted to find, because there's always these killer dog movies. You can find so many of them. What I was trying to find was killer cat movies. Yeah. It just doesn't seem like there's that many that are talked about. That's because cats yeah. are like, you're beneath me. I don't need to fucking kill you. I own you. Yeah, pretty much. And that it kind of is funny because that's kind of what this movie is about. Uh, this movie is The Uncanny from 1977. I found this on YouTube to watch, uh, and it was really good quality. But the uh, synopsis, synopsis is, Wilbur Gray, a horror writer, has stumbled upon a terrible secret. That cats are supernatural creatures who rely, who really call the shots. In a desperate <laughs> attempt to get others to believe him, Wilbur spews three tales of feline horror. And it's a horror anthology, each story revolving around cats. And Peter Cushing is the horror author, so it's got oh man, amazing acting in shit. it. Yeah, but holy crap, yeah, it's just pretty much like he—he's just absolutely terrified of cats, and he's telling <laughs> these stories about like how these cats are just like really like pretty much running everything around us and yeah. <laughs> it's One, like when i sing that song who runs scott world's cats who yeah, runs this world much. Cats? that's really funny <laughs> and, and it fits perfectly with you know the whole cat attitude of yep we don't give a shit we are above all of you it's true and, it's true and it is it was a very entertaining uh anthology like i had some really cool stories like the first story was pretty much about an, a woman that uh was a rich old lady that was a cat lady had hundreds of cats in her house and there was a plot to uh basically murder her and steal her will to change some things in the will for her mm -hmm. grandson and well pretty much the cats get their revenge on the people that are doing this of course um but yeah i won't get into too much because i don't want to like spoil every single story but yeah i definitely recommend this it is a very cool watch 1977 i was very impressed especially for a film i'd never even heard of and speaking of unheard of i found another cat killing movie called uninvited from 1988 the story on this one is a sinister corporation loses control of a house cat infected with a genetically engineered <laughs> virus the death toll rises during the mutant felines <laughs> rampage and eventually it finds its way on board a ship of criminal kingpins God. <laughs> as soon as i read that synopsis i'm going i need to find this movie you're it's like sounds, this movie is my life it's this is i got I, it's one of those and oh my god it was everything i wanted it to be when i was reading that synopsis. and more and more yes because it is just this beautiful orange tabby house cat just you just want to go up and pet it and love it but when it gets scared it gets freaked out and when i'm thinking virus like okay it's just gonna make this cat like wild and angry or whatever no this virus is basically it's got a tiny little cat demon inside of it <laughs> so me right no so when it gets angry the cat like starts shaking and its mouth opens up really wide and you see this cat demon puppet coming out of its mouth oh my it, fucking god that's fucking joke scott oh my god it's incredible it was like so just ridiculous and how totally are the anus. effects surprisingly pretty good like the cat puppet looked a bit ridiculous can but you it was imagine like, you go to like getting people to get backing for you and be like all right i got this idea there's a cat and inside every cat is a demon <laughs> pretty much <laughs> and people are like son of a bitch i'm in oh and yeah the funny thing is with this demon cat like claws somebody or bites somebody it infects them to where like their flesh starts like bubbling and like like contorting and they're in extreme pain <laughs> oh my god you hear that dave be careful with lucky <laughs> right all right dave <laughs> we're concerned for you well, oh my god lucky. 
this one was also I found on you. Uh, no, this one I found on Plex, but I also uh, seen it was on YouTube. But oh, I recommend okay. this one. So everyone, <laughs> Scott's been finding these gem cat movies. <laughs> yep, I freaking highly recommend it. It's just so ridiculous and fun. And just, just one of those like turn your brain off and enjoy because it was just oh my god. You didn't watch it with the cats, right? You don't want them to get any ideas. That no, the, no, they they got ideas though for one of the movies in our main topic. I bet they do. I'm pretty sure that's your house they used, actually. Like, <laughs> it probably was. I just thought it was your life story. <laughs> I mean, it was. <laughs> All right, now let's let's keep the good times rolling here with your next one. All right, so the you next one. You made this bad boy out. All right, so the next one I decided to watch is Monster Dog from 1984. <laughs> God, I'm like, oh, I watched Bay of Blood and, you know, Cat Sign. You're like, Monster Dog. <laughs> The finest that YouTube has to offer. <laughs> That's right. Well, this one that stars Alice Cooper. Oh, as, yes. Yes. As the main character, though he is dubbed over for some strange reason. I didn't look into finding out why, mm. but he doesn't sound like Alice Cooper at all. And instead sounds like your basic uh typical white american living in the suburbs father that you would okay. find in horror movies in the 80s he okay. just has that voice where it's just like i swear i've heard that voice in every movie but uh <laughs> i'm reading the i'm reading the synopsis off of letterboxd and i love this a dubbed alice cooper stars as victor raven <laughs> A famous rock star who returns to his childhood home to shoot a music video, believing his presence is responsible for the return of a monstrous hound that killed folks when he was a kid. The locals decide to do something violent about it. This was actually uh, not really a pet movie like I thought it was. It's more werewolf, I would say. But uh, <laughs> but it was so ridiculous, but at the same time... Oh, really? It's a ridiculous yeah. film? Yeah, so but weird. it was so entertaining. <laughs> Like, it's kind of like it took a, a film that really took itself seriously. It, I mean, it did take itself seriously, which is kind of hilarious. What makes That's it really better. good. That nice. Um, but yeah, I, I recommend it because it's just a fun kind of hidden gem watch from the '80s. Just one of those silly movies. <laughs> like, like I said, is it only, better than Cujo? Yeah, I would. Okay. <laughs> like, maybe not better made, but <laughs> but a more entertaining movie than Cujo. Yes, a hundred percent. Yeah, so it doesn't have any good boys in it. That oh I man, I, we're gonna get the cujo. People are gonna be like, "What you say?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, just wait. Just you wait till we talk about cujo. <laughs> All right, so I will talk about one last movie since I've been talking about how I'm doing the uh, Hammer horror films. <laughs> what a jump! Sorry. <laughs> right, I went from those to. <laughs> you went from fucking monster dog to your next movie. <laughs> Oh, good. Okay. You know me, I'm very eclectic. Oh, you are. Know. That's a word to use to describe <laughs> it for sure. Uh, but so yeah, I decided to check out another Hammer horror film. And this one was, I believe it was the sequel to the 1958 Dracula, but it's The Brides of Dracula from 1960. And this one stars Peter Cushing. And to my surprise, no Christopher Lee as Dracula. I was kind of surprised he was not in this, but it's still telling the continuation of the story. Um, yeah, I'm once again just watching this one and I'm going, maybe just Hammer isn't for me. <laughs> I know you and I are both trying so hard to like these 70 films and Hammer films. Because I watched the Hammer film too. I didn't even put it on here. Yep. Um, and I was like, okay, throughout the entire thing. <laughs> It was the, uh, what was it? The Hands of the Ripper or something like that. Yeah. It was like, hey, okay. Yep. 
Yeah, like I could, I was looking at this going, I can see for the time, like why people would dig this. Uh, Peter yes. Cushing does a great job as uh, Van Helsing. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those where I just felt like it was just kind of blah. And... They remade this movie now. It'd be called The Bitches of Dracula. And it'd be them bossing his ass around and saying that they're not happy and becoming independent women. And like, it'd be like Sex in the City. Oh my God. And them like fucking like running the fucking show. That would be amazing in Remake such a bad 2021, way. Remake 2021, The Bitches of Dracula. Or no, <laughs> Dracula's a bitch. Win the win right back. <laughs> right? Oh my god. Uh, but yeah, like, I. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to make that. That's what Scott and I's movie's going to be. Oh Dracula's my god. <laughs> and it's just going to be these fucking female vampires complaining at him and like i know this sounds super sexist guys it's a joke um and just like running the show and like you know basically they kick him out of the castle like they take over yep and they like demote him <laughs> like you're our bitch now dracula <laughs> they're like they're like you tell you how this goes down anyway <laughs> I love how you get on these tangents sometimes. It's going to be great. Well, you know what? It sounds like the movie wasn't that good, so let's make it yeah. better. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, yeah, I, I didn't find en- enough entertainment out of this one. Like, let's modernize it and give it a 2021 spin to it. <laughs> and let's show let's show, show some nudity too while we're at it, damn it. Guy and gal. Was there no not nudity in this one? Nope. But that were the were the women at least, like, you know, they're supposed to be sexy. They were attractive, but they were in gowns, like in nightgowns, like nothing like like 1960s style nightgowns, mm. nothing like sexy or revealing. What did they just do, run around and kill people? Pretty much. They were like, we run the world. Who runs the world? Vamps. Girls. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. So would you recommend it, Scott? <laughs> um, I would recommend it if you're into these older Hammer films and you have not seen this one, I'd recommend checking it out. Um, for me, if you've never seen Hammer in general, I would say just, and eh, just avoid this one. I mean, it's not like horrible, but it was just, it was there. Yeah, you know, like people are going to listen to our podcast and be like, those two are so uneducated. They hey, don't we're trying enjoy, to educate they ourselves. They don't enjoy 1970 Italian films and close-ups of eyeballs. They don't enjoy the deepness that is Dracula's bitches. I mean, the Brides of Dracula. <laughs> um... <laughs> jack the hands of jack the ripper you know what though we are gonna just keep on digging you know because found footage we didn't like found footage either was it found yep, footage exactly. yes you know look at us we're reborn we're rebound yeah, found footage lovers and with hammer there's so many that i don't even know if i'll be able to get through all of them this year because like i'm just trying to make my way through the dracula films and there's so many of those and there's frankenstein there's mummy there's all like it, hammer has so many so like yeah we'll, we'll see maybe just the dracula ones aren't for me maybe yes i'm sure if the dracula ones aren't the less known mummy ones are for sure <laughs> never know <laughs> that's true you never know absolutely so that concludes an hour and a bit of what we've been watching everybody because scott and i are super busy with quarantine right <laughs> We got we got a lot of important things going on. I know. We're like, we're going to be more selective with watches. 15, 20, 21 movies. <laughs> <laughs> we just want to be like, see how many movies we watch? We're impressive. Accept us. <laughs> Raise us to the gold status. <laughs> That's right. Raise us to the gold status of watching movies. Though nothing was like horribly shitty, except for one that I thought had potential. So like... You know, I feel like I don't feel like I've watched anything that's been complete crap recently. But the year is still young. I think I've watched one that was complete crap. Oh, Nina in the Woods, wasn't it? 
Well, that one wasn't even complete crap because that was at least filmed well. It was that uh, weird vampire movie I watched that I was just I didn't get into. I can't even remember the name of the title. That tells you how much <laughs> I thought of you, it. That tells you how much you were like, man, this movie. You're like, this is no fucking monster dog. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> and definitely not no uninvited. Hell no. I, I'm not watching this shit when I could be watching <laughs> other quality films like that on YouTube. Damn right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to talk about what we've been listening to, and this is a podcast I've been meaning to shout out for a while. Uh, Gary Hill runs a podcast called Cinema Beef, which I always think is a catchy name, because basically yeah. people go on and they debate movies, and you were on there when you guys debated The Last House on the Left and, yep, the, and Virgin the Virgin Spring, Spring, right? And they are movies that have basically the same plot line, right? Like yeah, they're, there's not they're identical. Right? So... <laughs> Um, and I was supposed to be on there to do the Wicker Man ones. Unfortunately, we never got around to doing that. But it's a great show. That I hear my dog shaking in the background. See, Pat Horry, he's making it all about him. Uh, <laughs> I want to listen to a show that really takes two movies and goes head to head with people that are interested in debating. This is a show for you. And Gary is very eclectic with his taste. He'll choose lots of different films and bring people together in to watch them because he knows a lot about movies. He's not somebody who just understands, like like me, for example, like 2090s. Like he'll go back to the 70s and 60s and he knows stuff about film that most people don't. That's why he did so well in trivia. Right. Yeah. Like very knowledgeable. So if you're if you want to hear some healthy debates, really good conversations, check out Cinema Beef. It's on the Legion Podcast Network. Did you want to talk about your time on Cinema Beef at all, Scott? Or uh yeah, yeah, because I was gonna say, like, I I really dig the show. Uh Gary Hill is just a great dude. I got to meet him in person in Chicago. That was awesome. That's right. That's right. Um uh but yeah, he had me on. It was uh like shortly before you and I met, like and started talking. Um, and yeah, we did the Virgin Spring and Last House on the Left and the comparison between the two. And like, we got into some real deep topics about it. And one thing I like about his show too, is uh, like you bring a beef that you have for a quick little topic before you get into the review. So I like my personal beef was the constant talking about, uh, oh, in the next Halloween Kills oh, movie, that, we're yes, going to have, yes. have this nurse in it. We're going to have this character. Like, I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. Which is awesome. I love when people get to rant about stuff because I like ranting. Yeah, me too. Like, I, was, I just, at first I'm thinking, I'm like, I don't have anything I could really bitch about. And then I was like, oh, that, yes, because I'm tired of that. But uh, yeah, I had a great time on that show. And it was uh, very fun to talk about both these movies and very eye-opening for certain scenes too. Um, but yeah, I highly, highly recommend listening to the show. Awesome. Awesome. I'm glad you recommend it. You can find it on the Legion Podcast Network as well as Podcast Attic and Podbean. Yep. Uh, and yeah, the show that I will talk about is one of the probably handful of shows I listened to when I first started listening to podcasts. And that is The Horror Show. Uh, they are, uh, the hosts are Sean and Joe. And if this is uh, one that got pretty much on a uh, big time network, because they started off on the Fangoria Podcast Network. And then when Fangoria went under before they got resurrected, they kind of went independent for a little bit and then got picked up by Bloody Disgusting. Oh, nice. So they are now a Bloody Disgusting podcast. Um, and yep, they pretty much just cover usually one movie and just make tons of jokes and make fun of the movie. Even if it's a good movie, they'll find something to make fun of about it and just ha like just being complete jackasses and just laughing about it. And it's just entertaining to listen to them because they'll even talk about how like, we don't know what the hell we're talking about, but it's still fun to make fun of this stuff. And 
I um, like that. That's like one my thing, life every day. And I'll say, and one thing you'll love, Heather, their most recent episode, they covered the new uh, remake of Castle Freak. And, they hated it. Oh, they both hated it and were making fun of it and just having a great time. Do you think they'd be it. interested in joining the Friday Nightmares as the new <laughs> host? <laughs> just wondering. Oh, you're such a smart ass. <laughs> it's okay. You got to go watch Monster Dog. That's right. I was going to say, keep, let me keep watching my wonderful taste of films and you'll just... <laughs> You'll be better for it when you watch these movies. Heather. You're Trust like, me. YouTube, son of a bitch, I'm in. Damn right. <laughs> I'm no better either. I I watch the cheese cheese as well. I just like teasing you. I know you do. I'm just better at making fun of you than you are at making fun of me. That's well, it. I, I just can't make fun of you. I know. Mm. You try and it's like, doesn't land. No. Try or I feel like I'm just like being abusive then. Yeah, I know. Not me. Not, <laughs> you mean, Scott, you don't speak for me as a man? That's so weird. No. Um <laughs> Inside joke, inside joke. Um, but uh, <laughs> Scott's um, a very oppressive person. He's always like, Heather, stop coming up with stuff. It's true, though. People are right when they say I'm a bully. You probably should, like, put me in my place to be <laughs> fair. One of these, one of these days, it, I probably, like, it might come up that I actually put you in your place, and you'll probably just be, like, sitting there stunned or just, like. Probably. You'll probably lose it one day. And you'll be like, Heather, go make me a sandwich. And I'll be like, but what kind of sandwich? Would you like a bologna sandwich, a turkey sandwich? Like, you need to clarify if you want a sandwich. Give me that what kind cock of sandwich, sandwich. Exactly. <laughs> Get you a cock sandwich. So a chicken sandwich. <laughs> yes. Mm. Make sure it's spicy. Remember when Horror for Dummies did um, their episode, and one of the questions that they asked was, uh, "Your favorite like, chicken sandwich?" Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, that was funny. Yeah, I, and I couldn't even come up with a come up with one for it i don't think oh no you i said know, chicken i think i think i said chicken parmesan sandwich yeah yeah like chicken sandwiches are yum yum anyway did you want to act more about the horror show i completely fucking acted out and cut you off <laughs> usually that's usually yeah, how it goes i know that's usually how we roll on this show but uh but no i was just gonna say uh definitely check them out they're entertaining they've been doing this for uh, well since i can remember probably about at least seven eight years like I think they went on a hiatus for a little bit because just personal things that were going on in their lives. Mm, yeah. they, they've come back and, yep, the Castle Freak episode was freaking hilarious. Love these guys. I even have one of their shirts. Oh, very nice. Yep, they were one of the pe- first podcasters I bought a shirt from, like, back then. Mm, always your first. Oh, they were my first. Oh. You always remember your first. <laughs> Whether you want to or not. Yep, um, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> So we will uh, take a break and hear from one of our podcasting brothers and sisters in arms, whoever Scott chooses to fill our void in between here. Ooh, I love when my void is filled. <laughs> After these messages, we'll be right back. Cha-cha. You're traveling through another dimension. A dimension of not only film and sound, but mind. A journey into an auditory movie review adventure that must be experienced to be believed. There's a signpost up ahead. Your next stop, the Doomsday Clock. You can extract the Witch vs. the Doomsday Clock podcast by either searching for WYCH on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, tune in, and on your Android device. Which versus the Doomsday Clock is a proud member of Legion Podcasts. So prepare yourself. The podcast ice 
is gonna break! Welcome back. Uh, fitting enough, uh, Scott and I always take a break when we record, and my purpose for my break is to walk my dog. So it's very fitting that we will be talking about domestic pets, specifically cats and dogs in horror movies. Uh, this topic came up because, well, it's January, and <laughs> Scott and I wanted something fluffy and fun, and we both really love animals. Yeah. Like a lot. <laughs> So, <laughs> um, and I would say we honestly love cats and dogs comparably. Yeah. I don't think either one of us, like, I hate when people are like, are you a dog person or a cat person? Like, why can't you be both? Yeah. I'll say, cause that's what I put. I'm like, I am always both. Always will be. Yeah. Like I like cats. Like, I feel like people try to make you choose what side you're on and there's no side. They're completely different types of companions. So I don't understand why people feel the need to kind of put them in different categories but they have been used in horror films probably because um they are such good companions uh scott has five cats as we've joked about many a times on this podcast uh dexter i think that dexter's is the only dog you've ever owned right yeah like we uh me and my mom had one named blackie when we were really when i was really really young but uh we ended up having to give him to a better home because my mom was never home enough and yeah. uh, he was acting out. Yeah, yeah, because you guys couldn't give him the attention that he probably needed, right? Yeah. And um, what kind of breed is Dexter? He is a blue pit. Yes, he is, and he's a good boy. He's a real uh, good boy. He is so cute. When you know, back in the day when Scott and I could see each other before the COVID, um, and I went out there to visit Dexter, and I would sit bum to bum, and he would cuddle right up to my bum and. He is just a very, very sweet, sweet dog. Um, oh, he is. He's he's also a very grumpy old man some days and just kind of grumbles at me. He's thick, though. Like, he's oh, he like, is. He's a strong dog. Um, and my my dog is Mickey, also known as Micmac. Uh, Mickey, I got, I used to do a lot of fostering and a lot of rescuing dogs, and I got him from a puppy mill. And uh, he had cherry eye at the time, so he was a free dog, and I was afraid he was going to become a, a bait dog, which is what they use in dog fights. Um, so anyway, long story short, Mickey is five. And he is a mix between a Lab, a Boston, and a Jack Russell Terrier. And he is all those personalities in one. Like he is, Oh, he definitely does. He is a ham sandwich, is what I like to call him. So, and I have had cats before with my ex. I had two cats named Moose and Cosmo. And unfortunately, when my ex and I split, uh, I, I had to make the difficult decisions of leaving the cats with him. Because where I was going, this is a long time ago. Uh, did not allow cats, so mm. I allow, I left the cats with him, um, but they were sweet. They used to hide in the laundry basket when I'd be doing laundry, and they used to sit on the bed and watch me do my makeup in the morning, because I, I took care of them, right? I was the one that fed them, and because when you get animals, you someone has to be the caregiver, right? Yeah. That's kind of the role that plays out, so animals are ingrained in, at least in North American culture, as pets, and they're also little actors, so we're going to talk through some famous puppies and kitties that have had their time in cinema, and this is probably probably the most fun I've ever had researching a topic because oh, I it's bet. so fluffy and it's just so like 
like let's talk about how much we love cats and dogs so we're going to do a brief history of movie animals and we're just going to talk about the most popular ones so this is from the reader readers digest uk cultural films and tv a brief history of animals and movies uh scott will include the link by anna walker so thank you anna walker so the first animal in film dates back to rinitin tin in 1918 do you know who rinitin tin is scott um i've never uh seen images of him but i know the name yeah he was part of like an adventure show so nicknamed rinny rinitin tin appeared in 27 films throughout his hollywood career his popularity even led to the surge in the amount of german shepherds kept as pets rinny came to hollywood after being rescued from the battlefield and trained by a american soldier named lee duncan during the second world no, during the first world war obviously because of the timing does that not like warm your heart like yeah, that is that is awesome right in 1929, it is rumored that the German Shepherd received the most votes for the first Academy Award for Best Actor, but it was ultimately decided oh. that the award should go to a human. So Renatin Tin, in coming from the battlefields of World War One to being nominated for Academy Award in 1929. How adorable is that? That is awesome. Right? Oh my god. I, I would have loved to see that. Anyway, Renatin Tin was honored in many ways, both in life and after his death. The mayor of New York gave him a key to the city he had a star on the hollywood <laughs> walk of fame his descendants were owned by greta garbo wk kellogg and gene harrell and his rescuer lee duncan wrote a poem about his attachment to his canine companion talk about warming your fucking heart like what an impact this little german shepherd had like oh yeah, that is that is just an impressive resume for a german shepherd to have, <laughs> like, especially at that time you know, I don't know how it feels how, like, some people can't get an Academy Award, but they wanted to give one to a dog in 1929. But that's okay. That's right. Okay. <laughs> um, another famous one is Lassie. So, born oh, yeah. in 1940, the dog Pal, so Pal was the name, was the first animal actor to play Lassie in the future film Lassie Comes Home. Pal's ancestry can be traced all the way back to uh, England's first great collie old, old cockatee. <laughs> So I guess that was a famous collie from, I guess, England, uh, probably in English films and whatnot. So over 1,500 dogs auditioned for the role of Lassie, and Pal was originally rejected because he was male, his eyes were too big, and a big white blaze ran straight down from his forehead. A female prize-winning collie was selected instead, and Pal was kept on as a stunt dog. While filming a scene in which Lassie had to swim across a flooded river, haul himself out and lie down without shaking his coat and attempt to crawl on his side and lay motionless and exhausted, Pell impressed. So this was a stunt he had to do and he nailed it. Uh, he completed the incredible demanding scheme in just one take. And from that moment on, he was top dog. So he <laughs> That is awesome. <laughs> when Pell died of old age in 1958, his trainer Rudd Weatherwax was distraught. He slipped in and out of depression, and his son recalled that he would often return to visit the grave he had dug for Pell in a special spot oh. on the ranch. He went on to write a book about Pell's life entitled The Story of Lassie, Truly Man's Best Friend. How adorable is that? I know, like, poor Scott and I, we're going to have to try to get through this without, like, right. we're like, <laughs> oh my god, I'm the dog guide! Like, so from 1940. Sad. We're emotional about it. He lived a long time. That's 18 years. But you know what? When you're a show dog, like this kind of show dog, I'm sure you get like primo care. Yeah, so, so you get treated really right? well. I'm you're sure. not you're getting the best of the best. Steak every night. So next is orangey. So not to not have cats have their day. This notorious ginger tom is the only cat to have won the Patsy Award, Picture Animal Top Star of the Year twice. 
Nice. Best known for his role in Breakfast at Tiffany's, Orangey was once called the world's meanest cat by a studio executive. His reputation certainly isn't a good one. Orangey was known to bite and scratch his co-stars, <laughs> as well as spontaneously flee the set, following which production would have to be shut down until he was bound. Oh my god, that sounds um, like such a cat thing. <laughs> eventually, guard dogs were used to keep Orangey from fleeing his duties. He was trained by prolific animal trainer Frank Inn, who was also the lead trainer on the Benji movies so orangey sounds like he fucking ran the world good for right. you orangey don't take any fucking prisoners i like it and then probably one of the mo- most popular ones for our generation is moose and moose was born in 1990 and after training and after training in animal acting that's right animal acting for just six months moose the jack russell terrier earned the role of eddie on fraser during his time on the show, Moose received more fan mail than any of his co-stars. That's awesome. During the filming, the crew would put liver, liver pate beside the actor's ears in order to get Moose to nuzzle them or sardine oil on their faces to get him to lick them. Moose <laughs> appeared in seven seasons of the show before letting his son Enzo take over. He passed away in 2006 of fifth at age 15 of natural causes so there is a top list here that i included of the 25 animals in film and television i'm not going to read them all out uh but if you want to look at them you can the most notable ones from this list include buddy which is an old golden retriever from um air bud max the little dog from the terrier i guess dog you would say from the mask and yep. buck of course from married with children oh i love buck <laughs> Now for the dark side. Um, Unfortunately, uh, not all animals are treated well in film. And I think it's important that we are aware of the resources out there to let us know of who is treating animals well in film. So there is a website I have included here um, that does educate what has happened to animals in film, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And there's another paper, Animal in Films by Jonathan Burt, um, that examines the complex relationship between animals and advocates so i'm not going to go into great detail of this the resources here um i did look into some of our major films to see how animals were treated and i was you know very happy to see in many cases the animals were treated well yeah i think there's only one that's notorious and i believe it was milo and otis that was horrible yeah yeah i yeah and we're not talking about that one today um, and I think that when I le- read the ones that did have the, the bad history, it was films from the 90s, early 2000s. Things have really cleaned up since then. Yeah. Um, I think it's very hard to get away with animal mistreatment now. But there are associations that are out there to kind of help make sure that doesn't happen. And they train and they ensure that animals are protected during filming. So I wanted to just include some of them. Uh, one of them is called Hollywood Paws, which is super adorable. Animal Actors Ultra Mitt. And Animal for Hollywood are some of the training agencies that train animals for movie and television series. So it's actually a thing. It's a big industry. Uh, Makes sense. We want to see these animals in films. And, you know, we also, as consumers, want to make sure that they are being treated well. And that hasn't always happened. So there's lots of information out there. But clearly, you know, if we had a dog at one time that was considered for an Academy Award nomination, uh, that tells you how important they are. to us yep. so we have selected a series of movies dating back to the 70s so i'm gonna let scotty get started with our first one all right so yeah the first movie we will be talking about is devil dog the hound of hell 
uh, which was released on October 31st, uh, 1978. Uh, the synopsis is suburban homeowners uh, and their family cannot escape from a demonic dog. Very simple plot synopsis. <laughs> and it's a TV movie, wasn't it? Yep, yeah, but it was a made-for-TV yeah. movie. Yeah. And uh, the way I described it to you when I first watched it was... It's the omen, but with a dog. Yes, it is <laughs> kind of how I felt. The omen with a dog. I think that it's the best comparison. Uh, but yeah, this was a uh, very interesting watch. I because I had never. Well, I mean, I've this is one of the few I had heard of. Like, but it's not like highly talked about. But uh, it was what a German Shepherd in that. It was a German Shepherd. Yep, and uh, he was. And he was a good boy. Oh my god, he was such a good boy. We want to acknowledge how good boys and girls all these dogs were in these films. <laughs> yes, because they. <laughs> This dog actor was amazing. Like, he did such a good job. And dude, I just wanted to pet him. I wasn't with, we're going to be talking about this a lot with these films, but I don't think I was ever terrified in any of these films to, from the animals because I just wanted to run up and pet them and just love them. <laughs> the only thing that I will say is at the beginning, they show a scene of a kennel. Um, that was a little challenging for me. I didn't, yes. you know, and you have to forgive that this is 1978. And I question how well some of the animals are treated in that kennel scene, as well as in the uh, devil worship scene that's at the beginning. The German Shepherd seems quite scared. Yeah. Um, and that kind of bothered me. I didn't really find any research on it. And like really it happened in 1978. Like I, I'm not trying to say, oh, it's fine because it happened in 1978. It's just there's nothing that we can really say or do about it now that we're looking at something that's over 40 years ago. Right. Like. Right. You know, so but I will say that throughout this film, the German Shepherd has a pretty prominent role and is extremely well trained. Yeah. Um, runs after someone when they're supposed to run after someone does complete staring when it's supposed to be doing complete staring it's it really does kind of build the dread that this dog is and as we all know scott and i talk about spoilers here so if you haven't seen devil dog <laughs> out of hell and you're dying to watch it we are going to give away some information um they do a really good job of the family becoming under this dog's control like you actually yeah. do believe that this dog is the dog of the quote-unquote devil and because yeah, i was like because I, I forget the name of the actual demon dog that it was talking about but like yeah like but yeah he just has like this he's pretty much possessed by this demon dog and uh yeah i i, I wouldn't know i didn't know the way it was gonna go but yeah it, it was interesting when like everyone like started falling under his spell and like just like doing whatever they could to protect him and like being like basically irrationally angry and aggressive and well and it was interesting because first of all so their their first dog gets hit by a car and dies yeah and this dude is driving around with random puppies and stops at the side of the road has this puppy and the kids bring this puppy home and the parents are cool with it. Now, the parents come from a very well-off home. For example, they have a housekeeper who yep. I believe is of Spanish descent or Mexican yep. and is Catholic, sees the dog and like the music starts playing and she wants the dog outside. And she actually tries to do a, like um, an exorcism on the dog and the dog kills her. And it's cute because it's a puppy yeah, right. <laughs> sitting in a basket and she ends up killing herself while the family's out. And... <laughs> Like, it's this little puppy's just sitting there in this basket. Like, I'll give the female actress credit for that because she somehow had to act like she was terrified of this super adorable puppy German Shepherd that literally just sat there in a basket yeah. the entire time. And then just gave, you, gave her puppy dog eyes the whole time. It was like, just so damn cute. But yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like, I agree. You had to give it props to that actress because, yeah, she, she had to, like, sell the role of being terrified. 
And everyone did with these animal movies. Everyone had to act like something was wrong with the animals. So when you see the father, so the main lead, um, we'll call him Richard, I think was his name. And he's working on the lawnmower and it turns on and the dog's staring at him intently, trying to get him to stick his hand in the lawnmower. And he's yep. able to fight it. And I guess so he can resist the devil where his daughter becomes under the devil's spell. The son becomes under the dog's spell. And then you see the scene where the mother is dealing with the kids being super defiant, doesn't get what's going on, and the dog chases her up to the bedroom. And that's where you see the change happen. Yep. So three family members against the father about this dog. And the son starts doing not doing well in school. He's excelled from expelled from school, and the mother doesn't want to hear any of it. And then she goes to like seduce some dude. Yeah, seduce like the uh, counselor, I think it was. Yeah, to get her son back in the school and that's when the dad i believe he goes to the shaman or whoever it is there's a religious expert that he goes to yep and is it a shaman or yeah i think it was like a shaman or a priest of some sort like it was and then takes the dog and leaves the dog out somewhere and the dog comes back and it's just really like this dog following them staring when he's supposed to be staring and of course you know kills the neighbor's dog and does all this other stuff like this german shepherd was incredibly well trained and i think it just goes to show how intelligent they are and how good the actors were to respond to this dog and to really believe that the dog was evil the cgi at the end needs a little bit to be uh i'm not even know if it's cgi i think that was more uh like and uh, what do they call that? Overimposed image. Yeah, is that what it like, was? Yeah, and like it was just like this really kind of cheesy, devilish, like demon thing that was really huge, mm-hmm. which really awesome design, mm-hmm. and just looked a little hokey because of like you know from when the when it was made. But that's just part of the times. Yeah, nineteen seventy eight TV movie, right? Yeah, it's it's not a super long film. It's about an hour and a half in length. It's obviously it's made for TV, so there's nothing that's too intense or gory on it. It's more of like a continual dread throughout the movie of the family turning against the father and the dog being the catalyst for it and of course you sound crazy if you're going to say to people i think it's my dog until on the news they start hearing of other people doing things and saying the dog made me do it the dog told me to do it and they kind of leave off the movie with knowing that the the satan's group that got this female mother dog from the kennel that they then had breed all these other little devil dogs is still out there Yep, and now all the puppies are out there at different homes. Right. So multiple devil dogs still on the loose, and that's kind of where it's left, which is kind of a dark note to leave it on. Especially for a TV film in 1978. Yeah. But it would have been great for Halloween night. Like, And I think they really kind of did a great job of that. All-American family, mm-hmm. uh, super white, <laughs> well-off, getting a dog, and having this fucking chaos. And, and the situation and the acting between the husband and the wife was really good. The kids were... They were fine. They were typical television actors, but I really felt like the husband and the wife played off each other very well. And the dog. I think that like those three really did a good job of um, playing off each other and creating a pretty decent made-for-TV 1978 movie. Yeah, I'll say, because like, especially with uh, the husband and his interactions with the dog, whatever he was trying to get rid of it or mm-hmm. just do something different, like you could tell he was heartbroken by it, but at the same time scared by the dog. Yeah. Like they... They bounced off each other really, really well. And yeah, like you said, the mother did, did the same. And it would, yeah, I was really impressed with this because this was a first time watch. And mm-hmm. I didn't know really what to expect. Like when you hear a title, Devil Dog, the Hound of Hell, you're going, oh boy. 
And it's a TV movie from 1978 yeah. that was released on October 31st, which I will give it cre- credit for. You know, we always bitch that horror movies aren't released on Halloween. This one did it. Right. I know. I wish there'd be more made for TV movies nowadays, like horror films wise. Yeah, absolutely. No, it was really, really smart. Um, yeah, I would say check it out. I think we watched it on YouTube. Yep. Yeah. So it's an easy movie to watch from the 70s. Like, <laughs> this is the kind of 70 movies that I roll with, you know? Right, I well, like you, you super basic some... and basic bitch movies. Well, and that, and you got a good boy in it. He's such a good and boy. He's a good puppy, and he has a big fluffy tail and super well trained. Like, I yeah. think, you know, there's a reason why Beverly Renatin Tin was such an easy dog to train. German Shepherds are intelligent, and this movie just reflected it. Absolutely. Yeah. And then let's get to our next one. All right. I don't think anyone's ever heard of this movie either, but uh, we'll talk about it anyways. And that is uh, Cujo, uh, which was released on August 10th of 1983. The synopsis is Donna, a suburban housewife, along with her young son, Ted, drives out to the home where a perturbed St. Bernard is driven insane by rabies. She must now save herself and her son from a brutal attack. Um, I see you have some fun facts about this. Do you want me to read those, or is that something wait. you want to read? Well, wait. Okay. Let's first talk about our thoughts on the movie. All right. So I remember seeing this when I was a little kid, and then maybe when I was a young teen. So in the, in the 90s was the last time I had watched this. So rewatching it again uh, nowadays, this movie's boring. I'm just going to straight up say it is so <laughs> flipping boring. The only time it's worth any, any entertainment value is when Cujo is on the screen, because... That dog was just a, once again, another well-trained actor. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, like, I think there might be some uh, multiple dogs for this one. Yes, yes, there was multiple dogs, but they were all well-trained. Um, and you really, like, how it starts off at the beginning and how the dog gets sick, yet again, spoilers here if you haven't seen Cujo, um, is he chases a rabbit, which goes into a bat cave. He sticks his head in, and he gets bitten by a bat. It's a whole rabies... Uh, belief scare tale. right scare tale and i never quite got so here's my thing with this movie i'm gonna move away from cujo for just a second and talk about the basis of the movie so you meet you see cujo he gets bitten and then it flashes to a couple and their young son the young son is afraid of monsters in the closet mm-hmm. right which you know ties into what happens to cujo later but then you get this whole backstory of her having an affair yep with his best friend and i never really got the purpose of that in the film and i haven't read the i know this is a book i haven't read the book so i don't know maybe there's more of it in the book that leads to her yeah well this is the issue with a lot of stephen king adaptations and stephen king is a genius when it comes to writing books he's very wordy and lengthy and goes into great detail of so many little minute things that just add to the overall story and yeah, like I've never read Cujo myself, but I do know the whole uh, cheating affair is going on in that. And it's like a lot more developed in the books. I didn't get how that had anything to do with the dog attack. Yeah, like that's, I, I'm not sure. I bet there is. I, there has to way, be something in the book, right? Yeah, I'll say I'm sure there's something that kind of ties it all together. And I also know, spoilers for the book that's, you know, from the, like the 70s, um, the child dies in this in the book. Really? Yep, the child dies of dehydration. So, okay. So we'll we'll tie that into what we're talking about then. Um, that explains why Stephen... I read something that said Stephen King was happy with the happy ending. Yeah. He actually approved of it in the movie. Um, I... 
maybe if the kid died, then maybe the reason for their marriage and staying together dies. Like, you're never quite sure why she's having the affair in the first place. Like, yeah, like the guy a, that she's having the affair with seems kind of like a loser. Oh, the dude is a piece of crap. And the husband, like, in the movie, they're trying to make it seem like the husband just wasn't there for her physically and yeah. emotionally. But it never really came off that way. No, it just came that he was working hard to support the family. Yeah. And then he was out banging his best friend because the sex was hot. Yeah, it made her look like a complete Yeah, it, it really did. It made her look like a dick. Like, throughout the movie and i'm wondering if i guess they had to include it because it was in the book but it doesn't really do anything for the film now mind you throughout this affair you're flashing back to the farm where cujo lives and you're seeing his slow descent into rabies which is really good yeah i i was messaging you saying like the way they portrayed cujo like getting rabies slowly but surely like just having that effect on him was incredibly well done because that is a lot of what happens with these animals when they have rabies so like the fear of light yep they don't loud noises aggravate them light hurts their eyes so they got to be kind of hiding in the darkness and the shade and they're constantly agitated on and on on the the edge of their seat at all times and like just ready to run or hide or do whatever Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so that was quite good you see that the woman who's living on the farm with her husband is he's abusive and like the one thing i find about these movies are kind of like okay so he's abusive not only that is you see a conversation with his buddy where he's also a scoundrel and is cheating on his wife all the time like why can't a woman just leave because she's not happy why does there have to be a rationalization that he's abusive and cheating on her to leave anyway i digress 1983 is what it is um But so I thought that was good. And then the subtlety of her packing, you know, when she's going to go see her sister, which sets up to how, you know, Cujo is going to have less people at the farm. She packs away the picture book to like the photo album in her suitcase. You know what part I'm talking about, right? Yeah. And to leave. And I thought that was well done. I thought that um, the reason of them going there to get the car fixed, like their car is broken. So the family where the mother's having an affair, that's why they're going to be there in the first place. The husband has to go out of town because he's so busy with work, which is why she has to take the car there. The car's already like... Yep, and then that's also when he found out that she cheated on him, so that was also an excuse for him to just stay away for a while to give him some space. Right, so I, I kind of appreciated all that building up to that point. And of course, Cujo seeing the boy on the farm, and you see that he's fully transformed into his rabies, which basically involved them throwing egg yolk on him and water <laughs> and paint or whatever they put to try to make him look scary. And he doesn't attack the kid, yeah, because he recognizes him as the one that was kind to him and who he always was always trying to take care of him, right? So and walks away, which I thought was a pretty emotionally well done scene and really well trained dog to go from gritting his teeth and being vicious to turning around and walking away. Yeah, absolutely. Like because that because that is one thing I will give uh, with Cujo, like the dog looked very vicious when it was like in its full rage mode. Mm-hmm. 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 And he, and St. Bernard's are not small animals. So that is a uh, very scary dog to see angry. Absolutely. Right. So to be trained well enough to have that and then stop it and walk away is impressive. Like yeah. impressive on the trainer and the dog's intelligence. And then I guess we get to like, really the main part of the movie where Cujo attacks is the last 25 minutes of the film. No, last 40 minutes. Oh, is it 40? Yes. I okay. ended up, cause I ended up looking like, okay, this is when the scene begins. Cause I was kind of shocked. I'm like, 
wow, am I already at the end of the, like already this close to the end of the movie? So I checked the time and I'm going 40 minutes. Are you kidding me? It's going to be in the car this, this whole time. Like, I mean, obviously they flash back and forth between scenes at the police station and like the post office mm-hmm, and the husband mm-hmm. calling and trying to find the family. But, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but yeah, mm-hmm. like this scene is where, it, I mean, obviously this is like the main moment of the movie. But it felt like the scene just went on for way too long. Mm-hmm. And just before that, I want to talk about Cujo's shining point. One of my favorite parts of where he's trained is where he finds the father's friend who was kind of snappy to him yep. earlier. So the father and this dude, this other douchebag, trash guy, are basically talking about, like, what do, what women would go bang this dad? Like, this, right. like come they're, on. They're like, gross. Like he was pulling in the mad babes. Okay. Um, so... I love the scene because you just are watching this guy's house and then Cujo just walks around. Yeah. And his tail is still wagging a little bit, right? Like yeah, I was going to say, like, when, right when he, like, confronts him and he, like, starts, gr- you hear him growling and snarling at him and he's, right. like, backing away, you just see Cujo's tail just go wagging right. back and forth. I'm like, oh, he's such a good boy. Right? It's so cute. And he's saying to Cujo, like, get out of here, dog, go away. And Cujo is so persistent that the guy gets into the house, but Cujo knocks him down. I think he's trying to get to his gun. Yep. And Cujo just fucking ruins him. Yeah, like rips out big. his throat pretty much. He's big. You're right. German Shepherds are big. Or and, St. Bernard's. I'm sorry. St. Bernard's are big. Same with German Shepherds. But yeah, yeah, St. Bernard's are big. And that force coming down on you, yeah, it would do some damage. Yeah. Yeah, I'll say, because we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about it, too, when it gets to, like, more, like, the ending stuff. But, like, uh, the size of that dog is very uh, terrifying. Absolutely, right? And you kind of are happy that he's getting rid of this piece of shit because he's yeah. a piece of shit. So you don't really feel that bad yet. The dad is looking for Cujo, fills up his dish, not coming back, goes to his buddy, goes to his buddy's house randomly. I don't even know why he went to his buddy's house, but I don't know. Maybe Cujo had gone down there before to get food or something like that. Like, maybe he would go right. for scraps. They don't really, which doesn't matter. We don't really need that piece put in there. And then it kills the dad. So then we basically have knocked out everybody before she even arrives at the farm. Yeah, which I was going to say, like like you were saying earlier, like I like how they made it so like the farmhouse is all abandoned by the time they show up. And it makes (laughs) makes sense with how it happened. And Mm -hmm. like, I do like the, the reasoning why they're going there. And, you know, the typical, oh no, my car won't start in a horror movie. In this one, they've been explaining it the entire movie to you why yes. there's that chance it won't start. And like yes. the whole purpose of them going to that farm was to get it fixed, which is, you know, kudos there. I mean, obviously, that's probably part of the book, but still, like, you don't see that very often in horror films. Usually, it's just like, oh, my car was running perfectly fine just a couple minutes ago. Oh, let's go jump in it now. <laughs> Crap, it's dead now. <laughs> it's true. That's a very good point. Now, what do we think of this 40-minute scene between basically D. Wallace, the child actor, and Cujo? Um, it's a mixed bag. Um, I really love a lot of like the scenes where it is like Cujo is like attacking the car and doing all the damage that he's doing. The parts I didn't like was where it was like, I mean, obviously I know parts of it was needed, but like where it was D Wallace and the kid and Cujo's not anywhere to be seen, but he's watching from a distance or whatever. Yeah. Cause... Like he's on the porch or he's up on a hill or something yeah, just, like that. Yeah. yeah it's kind of like right out of view, but you like you, get the more emotional impactful scene with her and her son and a lot of those scenes just didn't work for me but i think that's because i was my i felt like cujo with uh rabies uh with uh the loud screaming child noises just grating on my ears mm. and annoying me because the kid was a good actor he played oh terrified yeah really well but oh yeah 
at the same time, for as long as they focused on it, it was just grating to my ears, and I was just kind of like, all right, I get the point, let's move on. Yeah, I, I found his screaming and stuff like that tiresome, but really, that was what they were trying to represent, yeah. is the exhaustion of her having this young child who's now a monster has come true, yeah. right? Because even though she he had met Cujo earlier with his mom she had been very nervous about the dog at first and they were all like oh the dog's super friendly and the dog is because the dog isn't sick at that point she does notice the bite on his nose you know that was going back a couple of days prior and i i did appreciate the continuously of the dog constantly lingering being a threat that anytime she tried to open the door the dog was there how it would reverse and jump from the window to like from one side of the car to the other when it realized it couldn't get in anymore I enjoyed the part on the top of the car where I'm pretty sure the trainer was like, dig, dig, dig. And the, and Rikujo was dig, 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 dig. Um, The whole scene with the kitchen phone ringing. Yes. And it was like pissing off Cujo because of the rabies, the loud noise driving him insane. And the loud noise driving him insane, him running over to it. I, I thought that that was really well done. Probably one of the scenes that I thought was the most ridiculous but the most fun is when the police officer shows up or the sheriff. Oh, yeah. He sees him coming and hides. That is my favorite. Right. Really. I do not think a dog with rabies would have the intelligence to see the sheriff coming and hide and do a surprise attack. I don't. Right. No. That is part of the rabies virus. But no, the dog would have probably just ran straight at him. Of course. Barking or like ran crazy. away. Yeah, either charging him or running away. And I and also the dog at some point would need to sleep. Yeah. Um, and the dog doesn't sleep at all. Always no. seems to be watching the car. I think the sweatiness, the hotness, the the slow deterioration of the mother and son in the car is well done. The acting is really well done. I just feel like it's <sighs> I feel like it would have been a better short, short movie than it yes. would have been a full-length film. Yeah, absolutely. Like um, either do the book fully properly, or don't don't do all that affair shit at all. Right, because none of that really did anything for the movie at all. Though uh, there is one thing, one part you were talking about with uh, Cujo attacking the car. I want to know how they trained him to do this, but uh, when he just all of a sudden like loses his shit and just charges the car and headbutts the so door. That wasn't an actual dog. That was a guy in a dog outfit. Was it really? Yeah. Wow. Like I, yeah. I did not like. I thought it was the dog. I'm like, holy no. shit. No, that would have been major dog cruelty. So that was actually a person in the dog outfit. But they film it so quickly that, like, so they have the dog running towards the car, right? Yeah. But then the actual impact is is someone in a dog. Yeah, because I was wondering how they pulled that out. Because I was like, holy crap. Because, yeah. like, I thought maybe, like, the dog, like, just somehow knew how to, like, shoulder slam or something without hurting itself. I didn't know. Like a WWE superstar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, no chance. No chance in hell. <laughs> it does, like, a pose at the end. Um, oh. That's been the sharpshooter. But, yeah, it's... And then the final showdown where she's wrestling Cujo. She just has it. He bites her, too, at some point as well. Like, a lot of yeah, shit he bites her right on the leg. Knowledge, right? Like... She shouldn't even fucking lived and he has rabies. So I'm assuming she should be getting sick at some yeah. point. Um, and, you know, her son's passed out, not waking up and she manages to not really kill Cujo. I think Cujo just dies on top of her. Yeah. Like, it like doesn't, she doesn't beat him. He just kind of collapses from the rabies virus. That was. Yeah. 
Yeah, because I think that's pretty much what did happen. I think it was bleeding because I think she wounded him earlier. But like it was, uh, I think it was a mixture of that and then just the rabies virus finally taking its toll on his body. Okay, okay. And then she kind of like it kind of collapses on her, which is obviously a costume at that point, not the actual dog. Yeah. And then she pushes him off, gets her son in the house. She's trying to wake her son up, gives him CPR, and then Cujo comes back again. And you and I do appreciate how the music's all like. Na, 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 na. like it's like happy and then Kucho's like oh no you didn't and she shoots him with yep. the gun that she got from the sheriff um dropping that so and obviously the police would be sent too because the sheriff wouldn't return so they're gonna send more police out there and the husband throw all out all this comes home can't find his wife the house is destroyed and which is why they send the police there in the first place is because he's like she was supposed to go take her car yeah to this dude's place so it's it is actually a well done film when we like the acting is fine i think d wallace carries this movie as well with the child as well yep. as cujo the dog um i definitely think this dogs these dogs were trained well i do think it was scary um to be locked in a car and suffocating and having and dehydrating and trying to deal with this very large rabid animal i just i don't know why i just I, it just drags so much it's just a chore to watch this movie yeah, um, like I said, I think it's because they linger on certain things for too long and they focus on things that really don't need to be focused on in the movie. What would you say one of the things that was that bothered you the most that it lingered on? Um, like, I, it'd be that whole uh, cheating, like the whole affair thing. Yeah. Like we did not need, for this movie, like I, like I say, it's part of the book, sure. If you're going to do it, do it the way it was done in the book, I guess. But like in this, like you didn't give it enough time to develop, so I had no care. I really didn't, because uh, of that, it made D. Wallace look like a, complete asshole um the father really wasn't like character development really wasn't there for me to root for any character i was rooting for cujo yeah i wanted i did want d wallace and her son to survive but i also didn't was upset that cujo had rabies i feel like the only time i got real sad was when cujo got bitten by the rabid bat in the first two minutes of the film (laughs) which that's another thing too i wish they would have like well that shit wasn't even the first 10 minutes it was like the first like three or four minutes it was like opening yeah scene of the movie that's where i wish they would have had uh more character development with cujo before he had rabies like you get to see him with the family and like he's like oh he's such a good dog and then you know kind of do the old yeller thing where you know partway through the movie is when he gets the rabies that way it's like even more impactful you honestly could have done this you could have had him getting sick focusing on the family and the and the boy being like he's ill the mother wanting to leave so badly and get out of this abusive shitty situation that she's which is maybe what they were trying to do but they could have explored that a lot more had a throwaway of this couple showing up um you know wanting to get this car fixed obviously maybe flash to them having some marital problems he goes away the mom and like no one wants to see a mom and a son eaten to death by a dog or die in a fucking hot car no one wants to see that in general but you could have done way more focus i agree on the dog and the family of where the dog was and it probably would have been a fucking lot more entertaining to be <laughs> than some yeah, well, I'll say it'd that be- goes on that and as i said probably you're right in the book there must be a better tie-in it's it's probably just the movie that it was entitled yeah, because like I, because yeah, I think with like the focus on the family and Cujo with the family, would have just been more impactful, especially once he was bit. Absolutely, no, I agree with you one hundred percent. So if they ever remake Cujo, that's our advice. You heard it here on Friday Nightmares. Yes. How we feel. Oh, don't worry. <laughs> I, uh, I hear there is a remake. I don't know if it's ever going to get off the ground, but it's called Cujo. C dot U dot J dot O dot. And it's supposed to be a robotic dog. And it's 
So I don't even know why they're even bothering calling this a remake or Cujo. Yeah, it's not a robotic dog. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I heard this this is this could be completely dead in the water now, but this was something I heard a couple years ago and I'm going, that is the stupidest thing I've ever well, heard. I of. hope someone took the batteries out of it and realized that it wasn't something that they should be even making in the first place. <laughs> right. <laughs> um so a couple of fun facts about Cujo. You can find this at Mental Floss. Um it was this is taken from a convention, I guess, where the whole cast of Cujo, obviously minus the dogs, because they have long since gone to doggy heaven. Um um, talked about the film. So how many live St. Bernards were used in filming of Cujo? Everybody says a different number of Serge D. Wallace, who played Donna Trenton. In various interviews, members of the cast and crew have claimed that Cujo relied on the services of anywhere from five to 13 individual dogs that all received specialized training. Each dog had a different talent. Um, for example, one pooch would bark on command in front of the camera. Another was to run along a predetermined route. There were also certain moments, such as a shot where Cujo rams his head into the car door that caused for a synthonine canine. We had a man in a dog suit. We had a mechanical dog and we had a backup dog suit. We could put a lab, a lab retriever in, which we never actually used. Oh, wow. <laughs> And then second, don't let their big proportions scare you. In real life, St. Bernard's are famously friendly dogs. And the ones that appeared in Cujo were no different. We literally had to tie their tails down with fishing wire because they would wag them, Wallace remembers. It was a big game for them. So <laughs> I'm sure there were lots of belly rubs had on set and lots of cuddles. Yep, and lots of head rubs and just I'm lots sure. of hugs and just uh, lots of good boys being called out. Oh, I'm sure there was. So... Scott and I's dream life would have been to be on that set. But let's move to well, a movie. Before we, oh. before we jump to that, though, I did want to say, like, you know, uh, St. Bernard's are notoriously friendly. Yeah, they are. But I have seen one angry and mean, and it was horrifying. Why? What did you do? Uh, I was uh, letting Dexter outside one day, and there is a neighbor somewhere in our subdivision that has a St. Bernard on one of those handle leashes where it's just the handle connected to a collar because St. Bernard is so big, he just, he just pulls them around everywhere. Mm-hmm. And this thing was massive. Well, the dog got free of his leash and charged the fence where Dexter was. Like, so you know how my driveway has the gate, the yeah. fence gate? The dog was pushing up against that and moving the gate inwards and almost actually broke the top piece and was snarling and just like pissed at Dexter and was trying to bite him through the fence. Wow. And I, cause I heard the ruckus from inside and I'm going, what the hell's going on? So I ran out there and Dexter's right at the fence, like barking back at him and snarling and this big dog, like twice the size Dexter's snarling back and going, oh my God, this is like, I, I went and grabbed Dexter and I was just slowly backing away. Cause I'm like that, if he broke through here, Dexter would be screwed. Yeah. How did that end? The neighbor ended up running up and getting a hold of the collar and just be like, I am so sorry. And like was pulling him away and like just having to pull as hard as he could to get the dog away from him. Wow. Yeah, that was only time I've ever seen the St. Bernard up close and personal. Angry. You know why? Like, because he heard you didn't like Cujo. I guess so. <laughs> Dexter was like, my daddy says Cujo is a shitty movie. And that dog was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> my daddy says your breed isn't scary. <laughs> He's like, I'll show you fucking scary, bitch. <laughs> well, I'm glad Dexy's okay. And. Wow. Yeah, that was a that was an intense moment. <laughs> no kidding, to say the minimum, huh? Wow. Yeah. Wow. 
I wonder if you're going to have any similar stories with our next two films here. We're just going to just read them together because they're basic. They're the same. Yeah. All right. So the next two stories, one's the original, one's the re-adaptation or remake, whatever you want to call it. But uh, the first one will be Pet Cemetery from 1989, released on April 21st of 1989. After tragedy strikes, a grieving father discovers an ancient burial ground behind his home with the power to raise the dead. And the synopsis for Pet Cemetery 2019, uh, it was released on April 4th. Uh, Dr. Lewis Creed and his family lose their pet cat in an accident and buried in a nearby cemetery. However, this unleashes a darkness that soon haunts the Creeds in terrifying ways. Very, uh, very similar yet very different synopses there where the remake you know, talks about pretty much the cat being the catalyst for it. And yeah, in this story, that is, in both adaptations, that is absolutely correct. Church mm-hmm. is the catalyst for everything that happens in these stories. Mm-hmm. And it's a 30-year gap between the two films. Yeah, and uh, in the, because I recently rewatched the remake, and the remake definitely focuses a lot more on Church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, like, this is one of those movies that the original to this day, still just gives me that feeling of utter dread when I watch it. Because mm. church church was always just like, the cat they used for church in the original was uh, really terrifying. I forget the name of the breed. Oh, we'll was, find out. So It's oh. a blue something. We'll get to it. Yeah, that, that breed was... Uh, like it looks scary when they make him look mangled and uh like you know dirty and filthy. Um, and then of course Gage, Gage and Zelda scared the shit out of me as well in this movie. What about the creepy um ghost that always shows up randomly? Oh, uh, uh, Victor, <laughs> Victor, yeah, Crowley, the, not Crowley, not Victor Crowley, <laughs> not Pascal. Victor Crowley. Pascal, Pascal, and he's always like, hi. <laughs> yeah, I'll say in the original, he was effective because he was like, you know, he's not. He's trying to, like, you know, convince uh, Creed to stay away from that cemetery as much as he can, doing his, doing everything in his power. Where in the remake, they like, yeah, he shows him where the cemetery is in his dreams. Then he calls out to Gage once. That's all he's used for. <laughs> Doesn't he try to stop him? Not in the remake. Like, in the remake, he, like, he literally shows him and then goes, but whatever you do, do not do any, do not go here. But I'm going to show it to you anyways. Yeah, I, yeah, okay. I thought, I thought he had more of a role, I guess. Well, I haven't seen it since it came out, so... You're right, obviously, because I haven't seen it recently. But I do find it interesting um, how the cat is the, you know, the gateway to grief, right? It's something that Ellie loves in both the original and the remake. And it's her first experience with... uh, With death. Death. Like, well, she doesn't know Church is dead, technically, but, like, it's something that their parents are trying to figure out, like... When is the right age to tell Ellie that her cat is dead? Or are we going to tell it it ran away? Right, and the cat sleeps with her at night. And there's, like, a scene about Jesus. God can have his own cats. He can't take church. Yep. Um, And definitely, you know, when church gets hit in the first, in the in the original, it's weird. See, here's what I don't get about Pet Cemetery now that I've watched it a couple times. Judd is, like knows all this horrible shit that happens when your pet or a person comes back from the pet cemetery because he buried his dog and his dog Sparky came back an asshole. Mm-hmm. But then still takes Lewis to bury church there. <laughs> like, I yeah. didn't quite get that part. <laughs> yeah, that's this is another one where I want to kind of compare <laughs> the original and the remake because Judd in the original is like yeah he's like he almost is like dealing with these same issues that creed ends up dealing with where it's like oh you know we waited too long with uh our dog and that's why he came back bad 
but you know, church is still early. We can take him back, and like maybe there's that chance that church. But he doesn't tell him that. He tells him that that was his thought, but he tells him that later. And I just, I don't know. The guy kind of seems like a douchebag. Like he kind of knows that shit's gonna go down. Yeah, we're in. uh, We're in the remake. Like I like Judd in the original better, but like I also like what they did with Judd in this one because in the remake. He's he's so devastated to see Church dead because he knows how much it means to Ellie, and he's gotten so close to Ellie, and he's just like I, he's like I can't see like see you guys going through this with Ellie. He's like we should just I'm gonna show you this place and try it. He's like it's not a, probably a good idea, but I'm gonna do it anyways. He's like because you know I care about Ellie and I don't want her to suffer. And like a lot of I, people have critiqued that 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 wasn't filled out properly. I thought that you know he was just some oldly like old lonely old dude living by himself in a farmhouse yep and this little girl was probably the nicest to him that anyone's been in a long time and he felt a connection to the family he had dinner with them probably the most interaction he's had in a while yeah and that led to him being upset i agree like that makes yeah. a lot more sense yeah like it means because like then he's dealing with the grief as well so it's like him, him trying to cope with it as well as, you know, trying to help the father cope with it and how they're going to, this way, he, they don't have to tell Ellie Church died, which yeah. makes a lot more sense doing it this way, even though he knows, like, it's probably not the best idea. I think it's great that they have a cemetery just for pets. I buried a pet guinea pig I had um, when I was in grade four. He died in my arms. I remember oh. feeling his, like, I had him up on my shoulder, and he was sick, and we were we had made an appointment to go to the vet, and I felt his heart stop beating. Mm. And, you know, we buried him in the backyard and I made a little shoebox coffin for him. And like I made a headstone um, as well. And it was a very symbolic action, right? To bury the pet because you love your pets. And, you know, there's times where we've all had to make decisions. I've had multiple foster dogs that have been seniors. And I've had to make decisions to end their life because they were in pain. And that's, you know... When you reach a point, there becomes the right thing to do, even if it's a hard thing to do. And yeah. keeping an animal alive to keep you okay is not the right thing to do. Right. Um, but it's a very hard thing to do. So I always appreciated that they had the pet cemetery as a place to go grieve and the whole concept of using the animal as the gateway to the grief. And when the animals come back, I do like how they're kind of dirty and they're kind of mean. And like, let's talk about how awesome they were to get this cat kind of like cutish especially in the first one and then like a complete piece of shit and like yeah, hissing and, horrible, and scratching and biting that's hard to train cats yeah like as we as anybody that's a cat owner knows you don't train a cat <laughs> like cats walk across you all the time and there's times where you'll be sitting there and they'll start needing you and you'll be like ow 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 and the cat's like is there a fucking problem here right um <laughs> you know and i think that it's just really interesting in both of these films they had cats that were eight that they were able to get them to do things like hiss and cuddle like, and walk up to somebody or do what or sit there and to, and get a like in the remake and get a perfect shot of this fucked up cat walking with the family you know like i i think that that says a lot to the trainer yeah yeah because like it's not easy to train any cat i mean obviously it can be done like but yeah like cats do what they want to do Right? You know this better than anyone with your kitty cats. Yeah, I'll say they um, are independent, and that's why a lot of people love them, because, <laughs> yeah. like, you really don't have, like, you just gotta make sure there's food in their dish, and they'll take care of the rest on their own. 
Though, if there's no food in their dish, they'll find food one way or another in your house. (laughs) Very true. Now, I want to ask you a question. I want to ask two questions. One, why do you think they chose a cat instead of a dog? Um, I'm not honestly sure. I'm thinking it's maybe because, uh, hmm. And you can just guess. Like, there's no obviously right or wrong. I'm just curious what your thoughts were. I'm thinking probably because, you know, as we've seen in a lot of these horror films, cats are really not that terrifying. Or it's hard to imagine mm-hmm. them being terrifying because they're just so little. But like, uh, maybe that's why it's just to show something like so cute and fluffy that, you know, most for the most tendencies does not have uh, like mean attack streak in them. Because most cats, yeah. when they're freaked out, want to run away. They don't want to uh, fight you. Yeah, I agree. Most, unless they're fighting another cat. Generally with people, they're... They're definitely not over aggressive most of the time. Obviously, if they're feral and stuff like that. And if they're feral, they usually run away. But if you try to pick one up, that's when they'll fight you. Exactly, right? They'll get more aggressive then. Or you try to get a cat to do something it doesn't want to do and it gets scared. It will claw you or bite you. Um, Yeah, so I I think it was just that to like kind of just show like even the most like calming or even the most like calmer of animals can be turned vicious by the cemetery. Yeah, I think so. I think also cats are smart. And I think they chose cats because cats are, as you said earlier, very independent. They're very self-sufficient. And I think there's something more creepy about an animal like that coming back is because it can be more clever. And in pet, both showdowns with Gage, Church, and especially in the remake, Church plays an essential role um, where, sorry, not Gage, Judd, where Judd is killed by Ellie in the remake church yeah. is there almost helping Allie. Yep. like they're working like a little demon tag team well i'll say in hell even church was uh the reason for uh ellie's death in the first place in the remake because he could he you know he gets dropped off in the woods by mm-hmm. uh lewis and you know uh, ellie's all bummed out that church is gone and then here comes church sauntering down the road and she sees him and she's all excited like church so she goes out on the road to like pet him and everything and yep he's pretty much just standing out on the road not moving distracting her from the truck that's coming at her absolutely yeah no it's true he's he's manipulative there too right so i think that's why i think they chose a cat personally is because i i do think that cats have a higher intelligence than dogs do and they have a more what you can consider a vicious streak to them than dogs do and I think this movie just amplified that by a lot. Um, I think cats are cutely, cute and cuddly too, but I think they can also be fucking assholes when they want to be. Oh, they definitely um, can be assholes. Definitely more than dogs. Dogs will get vicious over territory, stuff like that. Cats are territorial as well, but I think it's just, I think they just took the cat nature and expanded on it. Um, That's a good way of looking at it. Right. And my final question for you is, would you bury your pet if you knew it would come back? No. I think maybe if you asked me this when I was younger, yes. But I think at this point, like, no, I wouldn't do that. And I think that that's a really valid answer. I I can say no because I'm not in a situation of where I'm grieving an animal at this moment. But I think of when I've had to put down two of my dogs, two minpins I had named Neo and Trinity. And Neo, I never got to say goodbye to. I We took him in to try to get a uh, tumor removed. Unfortunately, the tumor had grown so big that he died on the operation table. 
And so we came back to see him at night and we brought in Trinity because Trinity had to say goodbye to him. I know that sounds silly, but dogs actually do. That's the same. Right. Right. And she sat to sniff him and then she just sat down, lowered her head and cried. So like she's crying, I'm crying, my ex is crying. And I probably at that moment, I would have given anything to bring him back. Yeah. Right. But that wouldn't have been the right thing to do. So I think in a stable frame of mind, no one would be like, yeah, I'm going to put my cat in a pet cemetery or my dog or whatever and bring it back. But this really does explore grief, this movie, because when you are that upset in that moment, you may not be thinking clearly. Yeah. And like, I think that might be also why I uh, wouldn't do it um, for me is because I've pretty much lived this scenario with a pet cemetery where I've lost a lot of cats to cars. Right, right. Uh, So I just like, it's just like something like, yeah, I would be, I would, you know, I was devastated. I'd be crying my eyes out every time it happened. But at the same time, like, it's like, for them, I would be wanting to bring them back. But if I took it to a magical cemetery to bring them back, I don't know if I could do it. Well, you've seen this movie, too. And we yeah, all know right. what's going to happen, right? Then you're going to be walking up to some car, you and your ghost cat, at the end of some pet cemetery movie. And everyone's going to hate the remake. And you're just yep. going to have to <laughs> constantly be cared compared to the cheesy acting of the original. Um, so some fun facts about Church from the first movie. So this is from Cineblend.com. So Church is portrayed as a blue, a British blue cat. And while speaking with Mary Lambert this week in celebration of Pet Cemetery's 30th anniversary, I learned exactly why that breed was chosen. I had asked the filmmaker about her memories working with the cats on the set of the movie. And while she couldn't name the spot, the type of cat, she did explain the reasons why she wanted the church to have a specific look. We had a lot of cats and I chose that gray. It's a special breed. I forgot the name of it. It has really thick, thick, thick fur and they all look alike. And I just thought that's kind of creepy. Looks like a little bit of a plush toy. And it does. Yeah, it really does. looks like a plush toy and does look a little creepy. So I thought that was interesting. And then for the most recent remake, uh, the director talked about training in quotations church. (laughs) So this can be found at EW.com movies. And this is a quote from the director. Little did we know how hard it was going to be to find like eight cats who looked exactly alike. It was really just about finding the trainers. And then we tasked the trainers with now finding cats that could do this. And to their credit, they did. I mean, they say you can't train a cat. And Kevin and I always joked around about our apartment's living testaments to that because our couch and our carpets and our couches were torn to hell. Because I can we relate. Can't train our cats <laughs> not to scratch. But these cats, they were able to be trained, and every cat had a different specialty. There was a cat that could hiss, a cat that could jump, a cat that could stare, and they were all like this pack of divas on set. (laughs) You know, the cat would get on set and have to get acclimatized, so all the actors wouldn't have to shut up and kind of just let the cat sniff everything for like 10 minutes so we just sat there and watched the cat so i thought that was pretty funny um and sums up your household i'm pretty sure that's uh that's where you live and what your house looks like every day pretty flipping accurate and yep (laughs) i can attest cats are extreme divas (laughs) so i thought that was cute well divas for the females assholes for the males very true very true and speaking of cats we did find another cat movie yes this is one that had been in my head since i was a teeny teeny teenager 
And I remember my stepdad had brought this home on VHS, and I couldn't for the life of me remember the name of it. So I did a lot of digging when we talked about our theme for this episode. And the, found out the title. And the title of that movie is Strays, which was released on December 18th of 1991. And is a, the synopsis is, a Chicago lawyer moves to the country to please his wife, but their house is overrun with cats. <laughs> so basically, Cat's Hat, Cat's, Cat's Hat, <laughs> Scott's house in this film this is actually scott's life story <laughs> it, it pretty much this is he this is the life i live names to protect privacy <laughs> <laughs> yes this is pretty much the life i live i am i am destined to be surrounded by these cats and be their bitch who rents this world of cats who rents this world of cats they're actually we're going to make a sequel to strays called scott crawford <laughs> Moki's cats got strays <laughs> But yeah, this was a, uh, a made-for-TV movie, which I did not realize that. But when you watch it, you're like, oh, yeah, definitely a made-for-TV movie. Yes. Um, the synopsis definitely is a bit ridiculous with the way they describe the movie. But, like, yeah, it is basically they just moved to this house that his wife's sister is selling. Mm-hmm. And they uh, take a bigger house, like, out in the country area. And he just wanted to, you know, get away from the city life. And, and they want a better place to raise their kid. They have a little yeah. daughter, and they want to have a, a better place for her. Which such an adorable daughter, too. Absolutely. Uh, but, yeah, they, like, end up, the mother ends up finding uh, a mother and a baby kitten up in their attic. And yes. so she brings them down, and then that's when you realize the father's allergic to cats. Yes, because that's why he's been sneezing. And so he gets into the new house, and he's all Snuffleupagus. And there's kind of like there's this hint that, yet again, another weird kind of hint at an affair story of how this the father's this big shot lawyer who's not a douchebag, who's actually a really nice guy. Yeah. And her sister's using him for her divorce settlement. And she's coming on to him all the time and causing this weird tension. Like, I never quite – I just feel like that's something they shoot, they threw in for drama. Like, it made yeah. no sense. Yeah, because that's exactly what that felt like there because that was just uneasy tension for no reason. Like, I didn't understand the point of it. No. <laughs> it's like, how does this have to do with anything unless trying to be like – I don't know. It, 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 maybe they wanted to kill later on in it um so they had to have somebody that they could kill yeah so they had to have this relationship while she would be there but the strays and i think there's one stray that seems to be the leader yeah he's like the feral because like he's the only one that looks feral the other ones almost look like they just are coming from other people's houses yeah and you see at the beginning this old lady is feeding all these cats and i think some of them are her cats and then there's some outdoor cats that she feeds and then, like, there's this cat that you constantly hear, like, you kind of see from its view in the bushes all the time. Yep. Like, it's staring at the little girl, and then it's and staring the, at the family. And it's, and it's got, like, like, an over-exaggerated snarl. And yeah. Meow. Yeah, and, like, it's ready to fucking fight all the time. I actually really dug this movie and the cats in this movie. I yeah. felt like I was looking at your house. Um, <laughs> I'm not kidding. I kind of felt like I was looking at Scott's house. Except for, like, there's a scene in the kitchen where there's, you know, when you get to the main showdown of the film and there's like 20 cats in this kitchen and they i I will give whoever like people credit for this like these cats just kind of chilled yeah i was gonna say like i don't know if they were just like well-behaved like cats from people's like own personal family or if they were trained personal trainer cats or what but yeah that's a lot of cats to put who are instantly territorial of other cats to all be put into the same room and to behave like that yeah they didn't even fight 
Yeah. You know, and now, mind you, I'm sure we're getting the best. And I couldn't find much research on making this film, probably because it's a made-for-TV film. But the dad was quite likable. Like, the characters in this were quite likable. I was behind the mom and the dad and and the little girl. And so there was some difference that Scott and I had on a specific scene that we both liked and didn't like. Yeah, and I I liked it, but I also just, like, because I just, uh, I think being around so many cats my entire life, I, because uh, we'll get, well, I guess we'll talk about it right now. Yeah, like, we'll talk yeah. about it right now. We might as well. There's not much to talk about this movie besides, like, you know, the fact that there's cats in the attic. There's this, you know, cat that's stalking them. And then all of a sudden the cats are everywhere. Yeah, and the cats raid the house, basically. Raid the house. And they chase her out of the house with the baby. Like, she goes into the room at some point to get her yeah, baby. Which... And the cats have... <laughs> Yeah, Take all the cats the are in the baby crib, which that part was kind of freaky. <laughs> that was freaky. And, like, she thinks that her daughter has been, like, eaten by the cats. <laughs> yeah, like, um, uh, the one part, like, before we get to the main one that you and I disagreed upon, I don't know how I don't know how you felt on this part because we didn't talk about it. But uh, when she ends up grabbing the daughter right after that scene and running to the other bedroom, and you see the, like, whole shit ton of cats chasing her down the hall, and she slams the door and locks it, which I kind of find it funny that she locks the door against cats who can't open the doorknob, but, well. But I think she thought they hit the door hard enough they could open it. Yeah, I was it saying, now that I think about it, I have seen cats jump up and use both paws and actually figure out how to work doors, so. Yeah, they're not stupid. They can no. figure shit out. The part that I thought was funny, though, was with them clawing at the door, them actually clawing through the door within seconds, and you see the paws, like, coming through the <laughs> yeah. door. Yeah, it was pretty funny. It's like, wow, that piece of wood for that door must be, like, a centimeter thick. <laughs> well, you know what? It was a drafty house. It say, must have right? been. <laughs> it didn't have the best upkeep in the entire planet. But I do um, love that scene where the feral cat gets into the heating ducts and is inside, like, the room with her and, like, snarling and, like, figuring out how to unscrew and push the vent yeah. down. <laughs> yeah, like, it's a smart cat. And you know what? Cats that are living out – my parents have some cats that they're feeding right now. So long story short, this summer – my mom was like, there's a cat outside. I'm like, okay. My parents live in a pretty affluent neighborhood. I actually talked about this in one of our episodes. Yeah. And I'm like, it's not a stray mom. No one would abandon a cat in Aldershot. Well, anyway, my mom was right. It is a stray and it had kittens. So I gave my mom's like, I don't know what to do. The cat rescue won't come. And I said, well, if the cat rescue is not going to come and dad doesn't want you to have the cats in the house, why don't you just feed them and change their water every day? So that's what my mom has been doing. So nice. these, That's what my parents do. So these cats have fattened up because my mom feeds them so they can survive the winter and they're in my mom's backyard every day playing these kittens so my parents have watched these kittens grow up and they come out they come every morning at nine looking for food because my mom feeds them in the morning at nighttime and in turn my parents have had no mice in their house so i'm like see this is this is what you get right but like they're smart they know how to fucking survive like when we say street smart that means cats man like they know how to fucking do what they need to do to survive like compared to dogs cats i'm thinking are have a higher percentage of survival rate especially domestic cats domesticated cats and dogs have a higher chance of survival cats have a higher chance of survival rate. way higher chance of survival right because they have the natural hunting instinct they know where to hide they can find fresh water dogs not so much like they they really do require human care um especially domesticated dogs but yeah yeah, so i i think strays where it made sense with how smart these cats were obviously it's exaggerated but like yeah yeah i'll say like i I think that's perfect and i do want to say too another thing that i found out about cats just being a pet owner like about especially the they have a survival instinct to the point where they can even tell what the weather is going to be like and they can uh, prepare themselves accordingly 
like they know when a tornado is about to hit because they will tur- curl up into a tight ball and like and hide. Try to, yeah, and hide in the low lower ground area. Like it's like yeah, that's pretty impressive. The animal just has that instinct to go okay, turn into a ball, hide. I think cats have better instinct than we do. Yeah, <laughs> they do. Um, but and and of course, like the the wicked sister shows up and the cats push her off the fucking stairs and she falls on the table and dies. Yeah. Uh, but the scene where the dad's in the kitchen, all these cats are everywhere and his daughter's crying and the mom's outside and they in the meantime they had installed this dog door and they're trying to get the the dog to use it. Who by the way got beat up by the cats and the vet gives them a big speech about getting beat up by like the dog getting beat up by like a raccoon or whatever. Yeah. That was great. Uh, the dog goes to uh the vet hospital to get fixed um and 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 scott and i talked about how like the dad got the little girl to crawl and why he didn't get up and make any sudden movements and i think the 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 argument behind that is the little girl was small if she's crawling through the cats they are probably less likely to bother her because she's smaller and she's not a threat to them so the idea is that she could call through the dog door and get out obviously we're dealing with a very you know extreme situation here um i would probably move very slowly with a bunch of cats like that too i wouldn't be wanting to make them upset especially if they've been able to kill and that's what they need to do for survival yeah like because i think just uh i think the other ones again just living with so many damn cats like i think I, if i was the father but you have domesticated cats yeah i know like well and i've also right? like i also deal with a lot of feral cats not at my house but at my parents house yeah but you're I've, not out there with like 50 of them around you no no <laughs> uh, maybe about seven <laughs> yes, yeah. my mom my mom has pretty much adopted all the strays and like they, but that's like, open outside around yeah. seven cats. Like yeah, I'm not exactly. trying to like downplay what you're saying. I exactly. just think that's it's different. Yeah, that's all I'm trying to say. Is I yeah. and I don't think like either one. It's a ridiculous situation. Like what are the chances that 20 cats or fucking would be hanging out in a kitchen, right? Like, right. But yeah, like the, what what I would what I would probably do in that situation is I would probably just start stomping and screaming and moving really fast towards them because. But wouldn't that like cause them to fight back? Most of the time, it causes them to react by running because it's but, a bigger yeah. prey chasing. I guess so. I get you. I, like, I mean, think... granted, fa- multiple feral cats in a room like that, I don't know. But that was like the first thing that popped in my head. You would start doing Stomp the musical and yes. hope that they all got out of your way. <laughs> and I would just start, yeah, start running towards it. Because like, I do that with uh, like obviously domesticated cats. But like I do that with Biff when he's being an asshole to one of my other cats. I'll just like start stomping in the hallway going, knock it off. And he's just gone (laughs) (laughs) well and you know what hopefully you're never in the situation where you have to get your two-year-old daughter to crawl past a whole bunch of cats right well (laughs) if i do it's probably going to be 20 household cats that i've domesticated (laughs) that you have you have created an army of yeah but i'll be Um, like oh crap there's too many of them there they've learned they can take over come on daughter crawl do not let them see you <laughs> let's get out of here before they realize they can defeat us and how does he defeat the main cat does he microwave it what does he do uh, no yeah i think it was uh i think he electrified it because he tried to microwave it and uh the microwave was not working and uh oh, yeah it jumps out yeah. yeah but it jumps out at him and he ended up grabbing a hold of a wire and i think uh the cat was wet and when the wire touched it just fried him right that's what it was um 
Yeah, and then they leave the house, which is like fucking torn to shit now. Who's fucking about to buy that house now? They fucking right. destroyed it. There's probably cat feces everywhere and pee pee everywhere because they marked. Yeah, no, it. yeah. Well, I'll say they did mark their territory in the bedroom and like peed all over the pillow and stuff like that. Yeah, like fuck. Anyway, but, and um, then you that... see the kittens that are just in the lake. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, supposed to be like leading it up to be a sequel that they're going to be the next ones that'll cause the <laughs> havoc. Um, but I gotta say, these cats are all really cute. You know, even though they're supposed to be scary. Um, I thought they were really cute. Yeah, even the main feral one just looked adorable. Like it looked like when it got pissed, you're going, "Oh, that's that cat can look scary." Yeah, but, yeah, it was still really adorable. Though I do have to find I didn't even think about this till now. Cats are solo hunters, so I find it really hilarious that the main feral cat created a pack of hunting cats. Yeah, yeah. You're like that, that's something more a dog would do because dogs hunt in packs. Absolutely. With I cats think and it, whatnot. So I think that was kind of funny. I didn't think about that till now. Yeah, there's so many issues with how this movie makes not a lot of sense, but yet it's quite enjoyable. Yeah, I'll say it's you still know? a lot of fun. <laughs> like, at, you know, if you like cats, I would say if you have a fear of cats, this may intensify your fear um, more than Pet Cemetery would. But if you really like cats, it's just fun watching all these cats hang around and do fun shit and like act badasses for two hours or an right. hour and a half or whatever it is. Yeah, I think it was like 88 minutes. Yeah, like, I don't know, for a made-for-TV movie, 1991, I just wonder how they were all treated, and I couldn't find any research on that, so yeah. Yeah, hopefully they were all treated well, because it, it looked like they were. I mean, yeah. it didn't look like any of them yeah. were really... Because, like, I think you only seen like one or two scenes where they like the human actors would throw a cat and those cats were fake when they were thrown. Yes, they were definitely fake. So at least right. there's that. But I don't I didn't see any like hardcore action sequences where they like would have been hurt. Yeah, um, I agree. I guess we can jump into our next film, uh, which is a sequel to one of the films we talked about earlier. And that is Pet Cemetery 2. It was released August 28th in 1992. Jeff Matthews and Chase Matthews, his father, travel to his mother's hometown to grieve for her death and discover a Native American cemetery, which resurrects dead corpses. All right. So <laughs> this one stars uh, two well-known faces right off the bat. Edward Furlong, I think uh, shortly after Terminator 2, as when he played yep. John Connor. And then good old Clancy Brown yep. playing the sheriff of the town. And yeah, I, I picked this one because I was like, oh, yeah, this one uh, has a much bigger animal focus than the original Pet Cemetery. Yep. I was wrong. <laughs> I thought it had more. I thought Zooey was a lot more animal fo- like focused on the husky a lot more than it actually did. But yeah, you only see the husky every few seconds or so. But once again, though, it works because once again, the dog is the catalyst for introducing the people to the Pet Cemetery. Which they already knew about. Um because they learned the legends of the creeds and what had happened. Mm -hmm. So it's a well-known folklore. And the sheriff is just the random piece of shit that shoots and kills the dog. Yeah, his and own has, like, son's, his own stepson's dog. Because the dog was barking at the rabbits, because he keeps a whole bunch of fucking rabbits randomly. Like, like you know what they looked like he was doing? Breeding them for the S movie. Or That's like... <laughs> Oh, for uh, Night of the Lepus? <laughs> no, us. Oh, us, us. Oh, I thought you said yeah. us. Yeah, no, us. Like how they were all white rabbits in that. Yeah, that's like true. This is where they all fucking came from. Um, obviously, a little bit of a difference in time. but yeah, Just a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I didn't, it was okay, but this was really a shitty sequel. Um, yeah. Cheesy as fuck, to be quite honest with you. What was that? Cheesy as fuck. Oh, cheesy as fuck, yeah. Yeah, I... 
I remember when I watched this last, once again, this is like, you know, maybe early 2000s was the last time I'd seen it. I'm going, wow, like, this is still a fun movie. Like, I, it's, it seems a little darker than the original. And then I rewatched the original. I'm going, no, no, the original is way darker. But um, yeah, I thought there was more to it with uh, Zoe the dog being in this and whatnot. But like, yeah, it, it's way more hammy and cheesy. And Like, not... I do like how he's a vet and yeah. they've come to this town because that's where his wife grew up. And they want to be close to her roots. And he has this vet clinic, which ties in the animals. You know, he tries to te- treat Zoe and or Sowie or whatever it is. Sowie. Sowie. And Sowie doesn't have a heartbeat. And, you know, all these things aren't adding up. <laughs> I do find it funny how Clancy Brown gets buried and comes back and, like, fucks shit up. Um, doesn't put up with those bullies that are bullying him and like that bully that stole the kitten at the beginning kind of gets his comeuppance which by the way we got to talk about that scene yeah we'll talk about it oh yeah that's right there's some animal facts for that forget about that yeah but you can talk about how concerned you were because you got very emotional during this scene yeah like this is one of those scenes that even though i knew it was coming and i've seen it multiple times like when he when uh because they find a uh litter of kittens at the uh vet's office and uh eddie furlong's character takes what like convinces his dad to let him take one home and for some reason, he gets the bright idea just to hold the kitten inside well, he brings his it to school and randomly. bring it to school. Yeah. It's just so weird. Yeah, which, all right, you're new to school and you're bringing a little kitten with you. That seems like a probably a bad idea right off the bat. And especially to have a kitten just loosely hanging out with you in your coat. That's, yeah, cat's going to get away at any point. Um, But then these asshole bullies, because these are those types of 80s, 90s style asshole bullies. Totally. That are like, I'm sure there are some of those people out there in the real world, but these ones are like just so over the top. But yeah, they... Yeah. Just picking on him because he's a new kid and he's from Hollywood and they steal the kitten and start riding with the kitten away from him on the bike. And he's like just holding the cat by its scruff of its neck while he's riding and like the cat. You can just tell the poor kitten is terrified. And it, that that's one part that makes me question like, OK, how are these poor kittens treated actually on the set? Because like I felt absolutely horrible, like seeing that little cat because that little cat looked absolutely mortified and scared. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it pisses me off to see that scene. But yeah, enough of my anger there. But yeah, that that was one of the, like the moments where it's like, okay, any animal that looks terrified that you can tell is not like an acting because you can't train a kitten. There is no training with a kitten. You're just holding the kitten. Yeah, absolutely. So I think what they were doing there was a bit cruel. But I do believe it was edited um, because the other scene was edited. So all the scenes that appeared to have animal cruelty, so the cat was probably edited in to look like it was hanging there while he was riding. So they probably picked it up by its scruff, took a shot of the kid holding it like that on his bike, and then edited it in. Right, because like like that is the one thing I was thinking. It was either edited in or like he wasn't really moving that fast on the bike. Well, to make you feel better, the reason why I say that is because we do have a quote from Greek Life Horror – about Pet Cemetery 2, animal lovers will undoubtedly find the plot of the film unsettling, giving the amount of cute creatures chilled. If it makes them feel any better, great lengths were taken to keep the critters protected. For example, the scene where the dog, Sowie, chases a kitten into the vet's office was shot in cuts. The cat was never actually frightened. 
to film the kitten running an out of frame trainer called for it using food as a reward the dog ran after it similarly and separately in a similar manner while a trainer beckoned for the animal to come and then they filmed it together yeah so they probably did the same thing with the bike scene i i strongly doubt if they were cutting that they would have had some kid driving with a holding a kitten right it just made me question because i was just saying the cat the kitten just looked terrified that's what made me question well they probably had him pick it up and the kitten probably did look scared because anytime somebody's holding you I, anytime i picked yeah. up an animal by its scruff it doesn't like it mm-hmm. i've never had an animal be like this is amazing yeah that um, is true <laughs> so i'm probably that's what happened and it got edited in yeah makes but you yeah. feel better. it's a it's a valid thing to be concerned about and that's why we included that information earlier about animal treatment welfare like yeah you know it's it's a thing you know it's it's important that we do ask these things because we don't want to be supporting movies where animals are treated like shit and i haven't found anything in my search to show that anything was done differently in pet cemetery right like we with uh and with pet cemetery too there would have been something because it's a big enough well-known movie that there would have been something written about it absolutely but yeah like but yeah other than that though like you know like the scenes with the animals are like very heartbreaking because uh you know unfortunately uh you know we get to see zowie we don't get to see it shot but we see Clancy Brown's character shoot at him, killing Zowie. Mm-hmm. And that's when they take him to the pet cemetery and bring him back. Which I do love the fact that Zowie is basically the one to get revenge on the sheriff and kill Clancy. Yeah, yeah, totally. After everything that happened, Zowie deserved to do that. Mm-hmm. Then they, of course, make the dumbass mistake of burying the sheriff. I know, which is pretty funny. <laughs> it's it's yeah. funny. That is funny. Like, well, you know, this is what I gotta say. Clancy Brown in this... He is an asshole, but when he gets reanimated, he steals the fucking show. He's pretty funny. Um, he's a complete dick to his wife or whatever, but he's pretty funny. Like the movie has redeeming qualities. It's just like the bunny rabbits I felt were unnecessary because the part where he's obviously not really skinning them. It's just yeah. like whatever it is. It's fucking stupid. Like I didn't understand why he had bunny rabbits in the first place. Um you know, it felt like it was a sequel that was made just to have a sequel. Yeah. And, you know, the and it was mother... only made like three years after the original. So, yeah, it's, it's probably the studios just wanted a, a sequel because the first one did so well. And the like the mother being buried and coming back and being evil and the difficult decision the son needs to make. Like the animals are kind of just there. Like I agree. Sowie is a catalyst, but they would have just done it anyway. Yeah. Or knew about it. And it was just, and then at the end where they start flashing into the pictures of people that have died. Oh, oh that ending was so cheesy. Oh my God. What a cheese, cheese ending. So apparently the animals were treated well on set. Um, Zowie was adorable. They were all, all of them were good. The kittens were cute. It just was a very, watch the, watch Strays, honestly, over Pet Cemetery too. Yeah. I thought Strays was a more enjoyable movie. I really did. Yep. And I'll give you that. Cause yeah, I thought I was going to like this more since I had seen it when I was younger, but now it was, eh, didn't hold up for me. Like there's certain stuff that I do like about it, but that's mainly Clancy Brown stuff. Right. Right. So, and we have one more. Yes, we do. Let me scroll down on my notes here. All right, there it is. All right, so our final film for our main topic is Ropes. Also, it's called Ropes, and then it's called Prey for us. Yeah, I say in, also known as Prey. Yeah, and in in Spanish, it's known as Ropes. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, not, I don't know why it's called Ropes. I have no idea. Huh. <laughs> maybe because she has a rope to the dog because she depends on the dog. I don't know. Oh, maybe. Yeah. But uh, this was released on October 5th of 2020. A uh, paraplegic girl and her rabid dog 
Oh, let me. Okay, I gotta read it the way this is written. Yeah. A girl paralyzed. A rabid dog. A duel of the death for survival. <laughs> wow. <laughs> this could be called. We're trying to do an updated version of Cujo. Yes, except we're missing key plot points. <laughs> Only we're, we are making it just about the the dog and the girl fight, but. The character development is so shitty that you just want the dog to survive and be successful. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because this was, a, what, a German Shepherd as well? It was a German Shepherd as well. Yep, uh, which this dog was a really amazing dog actor. Yes, very good dog actor. Um, But, yeah, like, the one thing when we watched this, because we watched this together a while ago. Like yeah, we watched it in December or something like that. Yeah, and you brought up a very valid point, Heather. Oh, I know, so smart. So what was that point? I don't know. Was it about the train, the trainness of it being a? Uh, um... Well, the fact that it even ended up getting rabies when it probably shouldn't have. Oh, because all dogs are vaccinated from rabies now, especially if it was a service dog. Yeah, <laughs> that was yeah. So this is a service dog. So to give you a, uh, so this is a 2020 film. We're going to spoil this film. Neither one of us would really recommend you watching it anyway, unless you no. really like dogs. And in which case, you're not going to care about the spoilers. You're just going to watch the dog. So this this dog is a service dog, and there's a girl, she's paralyzed, and there was some accident that she was involved in. I think it was a car crash or something like that. Yeah, I think it was like a car accident that yeah. lost, like her mother died or something like her that. Her mother and her sister died. Yeah. Right? And, she, or her sister died. Not her mother, her sister died. Okay. So she is paralyzed from the neck down, and she needs assistance of a service dog. So her dad gets her this German Shepherd service dog who, you know, I'm assuming that in Spain they would get uh, their shots like they do here and they'd be trained and all that. Because this dog is extremely well trained. It knows how to open doors. It can get her her medicine. It can open and close the blinds. <laughs> yep. It's a very well trained service dog. And she's super pissed off because I guess she tried to kill herself and the suicide didn't work. And now her and her dad are living at this house in the middle of nowhere. The dog, of course, gets bit by a bat that's in the house. And the dog slowly gets rabies. <laughs> but would you even say slowly? Because holy crap, did it like turn fast. So eyes. the dog gets rabies <laughs> in six hours. And in that six hour time, the father has a heart attack. So the girl is a real dick to the dog. At one point, she gets the dog to go outside, and then she locks it outside because she's a fucking asshole. This girl is a fucking asshole. Yeah, this is before the dog oh had rabies. Like, no, the dog had been bitten. Oh, she it had been it bitten, outside. but yeah, he hadn't like yeah, but he had it like, turned no yet. Yeah, he was helping her with stuff, and then she gets him to open the door and sends him outside, and then she locks the door behind him. Yeah. She's an asshole, and she's a fucking bitch. Like this character. You didn't even feel empathy for her. She was so miserable. I will give the actress credit if that was the role she was told to play. She did a great job. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but anyway, so the father has a heart attack bringing in groceries from the car. She drops her phone. Like everything that could go wrong goes wrong. She, of course, her phone falls. She can't pick it up because all she can do is like move her mouth. She can't even move her hands. Um, or can she? Nope. How does she move well, her? She, uh, she had like the, uh, like just the slight movement in her hands. Yeah. So she could and move then... her chair. Yeah. But that was about yeah. all she could do. She couldn't lift her arms or anything like that. I think she was no. able to just move her fingers. And I think there were things attached to her fingers to move. Yeah. She was able to like do basic stuff. So 
Anyway, it's basically this cat and mouse game between her and this dog that the is the entire slowly, movie. The entire movie that is slowly becoming a rabid dog. Uh, the dog does some amazing dog tricks. There's one scene where she manages to put the dog to sleep. I forget how she does that. I think she feeds it some medicine that's like a sleeping pill because that's yep. how she tried to OD. So she manages to pass the dog out, like get the dog to pass out. Cause she puts the, she crushes up the pills with her, like her mouth with a spoon or something and like puts it in yes. a steak. And, yep, yeah, that's right. She throws it on the steak. Right. And she, so she's quite, you know, <laughs> skilled with what she has to work with. And the dog eats it, falls asleep. And she goes on one of those electric chair lifts and it's slowly moving upstairs and she's trying to go upstairs with the dog waking up and she just gets through and the dog wakes up and the dog jumps through windows and all this other shit and it's a yet again an extremely well-trained german shepherd eventually a family friend comes to check up on her the dog kills the family friend um you know he doesn't sneak the the dog doesn't pull a cujo and like sneak away and <laughs> no no he just, and on charges. he just full on charges and attacks him. um the ending of it they have this showdown in the kitchen where she fucking sets something on fire and then they both come <laughs> barreling out of the house and the dog dies and she kind of makes peace with the dog so she's lying on the ground, not in her wheelchair. Yeah, because the the scooter that she's using ends up crushing the dog. Is how that dog ends up yes, dying. Yes, yes. And she says something like, "It's okay now. The pain will stop. You're a good boy." Like so, she has this coming of age that she was an asshole to this dog, and the dog got sick, and it wasn't the dog's fault. And throughout this whole thing, she's having these flashbacks with her sister, and you know, seeing her sister and having these conversations about what happened and how she died and how like her sister needs to stop being so selfish and yeah and then you also have this uh like weird uh almost like zombie moment where the uh dog ends up getting a hold of her pet ferret and biting it oh yeah and then the ferret she has to kill the ferret yeah because the the ferret turns on her and becomes instant rabies and goes to try to attack her like a zombie animal yeah like it's just anyway um the reason why we chose this movie is because it's basically an updated version of Cujo, and the dog in it is extremely well trained yeah Um, not only is he trained as a service dog and able to do service dog like things he's also a stunt dog and i don't know if multiple dogs were used in this movie or just the one but in any case he was a good boy and we liked her more than we liked her she yeah, was horrible he was, he was such a good boy he was the reason we watched we like the, the reason we brought this movie up it's all him the one thing i will say is i'll give it credit for being a service dog i thought that was a nice spin yeah. to it um something different something a little more modern but I think it was just honestly, the girl was so fucking unlikable that you yeah. didn't you wanted the dog to kill her. I mean, like because she was just such a miserable person. Like, if anything, you wanted the father to survive because the father was yeah. like, really likable. Yeah, like and the it father was just, didn't last long at all. No, and and anyway, she kind of has like a coming to at the end of it, but not enough that her there was a big character arch by any stance, in my opinion. No. Um, but if you want to see a well-trained dog, definitely. Rope slash prey is worth your time. If you don't care about dogs as much as Scott and I do, don't watch this film. <laughs> yep, and as long as you can uh, overcome the unbelievability of either getting rabies that fast or getting <laughs> yeah. rabies at all when your dog should be vaccinated. When <laughs> You're going to have a service dog. 
<laughs> yeah, when you're a service dog, you are probably up to date on your shots. <laughs> I would assume, too, right? <laughs> you know, and like we were watching it with Brandon, and he was like, "Well, you know, it's Spain." I'm like, "Spain's not like a fucking third world country, dude." Like, I'm sure Spain has rabies vaccines for service dogs. Like, you know, this isn't this is ridiculous. Like, that's not it's not a thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, cheers to these doggy actors. They do and kitties. Uh, they do an yes. excellent job. And we hope to see more, which is what our Out of the Dark segment is going to be about. So what is next for our fluffy friends in horror? What could be done? Should any of these movies we talked about be remade? Scotty? Hmm. I think they should remake Pet Cemetery because I don't think they've done that yet. No, I think we need another updated one that makes everybody <laughs> mad. Um, uh, no, I won't even talk about a remake right yet, but... uh. One thing I would like to see, because like, uh, you know, we did get we did get like a couple actually animal friend, uh, animal centric horror films in 2020. I mean, we had Good Boy on Hulu mm-hmm. from Into the Dark series. Mm-hmm. Very good. You're a good boy. You're such a, such a good boy. Oh, good boy. And then we had Rope slash Prey. That was yep. like so. Yeah, we had two like dog themed horror films. Mm-hmm. I would like to see more like feline horror films because mm-hmm. i am like the ones that i talked about earlier are so obscure and just like hidden gems like even strays like it's kind of a hidden gem no one really talks about i think movies. you could make an update version of trade of strays yeah i was just you gonna know, say like i could see an updated version of that you could do a lot with cgi and i know people cgi but when you're working with animals <laughs> i think that yeah. You know, there would be great to use some cats for some practical stuff, but I think with where we are with CGI or whatever, I think you could come up with some pretty cool shit. Oh, absolutely. Like, right? And I think you, I think there's could be some other ways to do it. Like, I actually came up with kind of a weird movie idea. Like, oh, let's hear it. Like, so uh, one that I was thinking about, like, to kind of like, uh, so basically this virus wipes out the majority of the population on Earth of the humans and ends up all the pets dogs and cats have to figure out a way to survive on their own because of like you know not being uh with their masters anymore and they become feral and then the few remaining survivors you know kind of oh. treat like a zombie like a zombie apocalypse in a way but like the groups of survivors everywhere are now uh having to like make their way to like meet with others and having to deal with these uh attack dogs and attack cats that have become feral and like vicious and like hungry i mean kind of like the movie the dogs yeah i'll say it'd be well i didn't see dogs oh okay okay did not get a chance to see that one but yeah, I was like, it's going to be absolutely cheesy and ridiculous, but I figured that'd be kind of a fun plot. I like that. That's a really good one, Scott. That's awesome. What a great idea. Yeah, like I say, I kind of just treated it like a zombie apocalypse, except for the zombies are the dogs and cats. <laughs> I like it. I love it. I feel like you're just recreating what your everyday life is like. Pretty um, much. <laughs> you know, I the movie The Dogs is like that, too. It's a 1976 movie about domesticated dogs that go crazy and they start attacking their owners and they start running in packs together and having this pack mentality. Mm. And I think that that movie could be remade and updated and done really, really well. Right. Like, I think that there are some movies that these like kind of silly movies from the seventies or the nineties, like in strays that you could breathe some life into for 2021. Yeah, Um, absolutely. You know, or you could have something where, yeah, I think I think your idea is actually probably the best, where the dogs and the cats are um, the only ones that are immune, and they become vicious, trying to like fight back, kind of thing, and survive. And yeah, I think yeah, that's like smart. maybe yeah, like maybe whatever that disease is that kills the humans somehow like 
triggers them to have like a like a hunger for flesh or something. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But it's something kind of like that. Like, yeah, where just like they become extremely feral, but are like working together and will wipe out humans. I think that's a really smart idea. That's really smart. Look at All you right, go. let's. That's gonna be the Friday Nightmares movie called "Who's a Good Boy? Who's a Good Kitty?" <laughs> Who's a good boy? Who's a good kitty? Do you think Cujo should be remade? Like an actual true remake? Yeah. Um. Yeah, like, because some people laud this as a classic, but, like, I mean, honestly, it's an adaptation of Stephen King's book, so it could get a readaptation of the book. Like, you know, someone take other parts of the book that weren't used. I feel like this movie, if they're going to make it, needs to be made better and tie in what the affair has to do with the attack and yes. maybe keep with the sad ending. Yeah, I'll say I agree. And, um, I mean, it makes me wonder if, like, uh, it would probably end up being, uh, like, kind of period-based, so maybe, like, leave it still in the 80s. Because, mm-hmm. like, if you modernize it, uh, I think it'd be kind of hard to be believable that they're trapped in a car and nowhere to go, especially with modern cars being able to, like, call for okay, help. Okay, it's an electric button. car. The battery dies, or it's a hybrid. Yep. And they're going out there to have something worked on, and they're low on gas, but they think it's fine because the battery's going to kick in. The battery doesn't kick in, and their cell phones are dead. Yeah, but I'm thinking like that call button on the car, on Star or whatever they call it. Yeah, that. but if the car's dead and the battery's not working and true. nothing's turning yeah, on, that, that is true. Then, yeah, yeah, that could work. And then they could, uh, then you could see them trying to figure out how to. Maybe they're trying to get it to work, like in finding ways to try. Right, and, and they're trying to like get it, and then they're like, maybe their cell phone they have no service. Yeah. Right, and then they kind of get service in and out, and then Cujo grabs the phone from their hand, or they have to let it go because they're running. And then you hear nine one one get called, and it's just Cujo like licking the phone. <laughs> oh no, no, Cujo will come up to him and go, "Send more paramedics." <laughs> right, like, sir, are you there? Are you there? <laughs> right, like it would be totally something that you would see happening i think that cujo is a movie that could possibly i feel like either it should be a two-hour film that covers more detail or maybe you start off with the dog attack scene and you do flashbacks on how they got there like maybe the first scene interesting off with is her running to the car and the dog chasing and her trying to close it and the dog coming in and then it's like five days earlier that's actually and you're flashing back yeah. and forth between the dog attacks and her memories of how they got there. I like that. Yeah, because, yeah, this could definitely do with an update for sure. Right? I think that that would make it more – because we all know the story too, right? Yeah. So if it was the opening scene was one of those scenes of, like, Cujo just being, like, fucking balls to the wall, you would grab people. Yeah, exactly. Right? And then the only thing that would be hard is, like, the abusive family look. But maybe you don't take that look. Maybe it was – um they messed up the day that they were going to come and get the targ worked on. They thought it was Thursday and they came up on Tuesday. Yeah. Right. Or whatever. And they were going away for the weekend and they wrote yeah. down the wrong date in the calendar. Or hell, it'd just be like a happy family. And uh, Cujo just got a hold of every one of them before they came out. Yeah. Like up, up yeah. the body count even. And it could just be a flashback to that. Yeah. You know, five days earlier, it could show both the farm. So from Cujo's view of what happened five days earlier, and then from D. Wallace's character, whatever the name is, Tammy or whatever, five days earlier. So you're going back and forth to current time of the attacks and then back to the st- and how they got there. Interesting. Yeah, I like that. See, together on Friday Nightmares, we come up with good film. <laughs> we now always need to get it done. I honestly think that would be – I think you would steal people in, like the hearing the <sighs> – someone's like running towards the car and the dog rah, rah, and she's well, like I, trying I was, to I'd get be thinking there. about sex right then, but yeah. You know. <laughs> well, <laughs> I guess. And that's you coming after them. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, that, that's me coming after watching the porn. <laughs> Foaming at the mouth. <laughs> that's what I'm usually like after I'm done. Just, ah, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> it was a spooky ghost. It was a spooky ghost. But yeah, anyway, so we'll see what, what animal movies, because animals are perfect, you know, especially domestic pets. We we love our domestic pets. And after, probably, I think we'll probably do it just before this episode drops. We'll, we'll encourage people to share pictures of them yeah. and their domestic cats and dogs. Because we will do other animals, don't worry. We know that people have other pets. Yep. We're not thinking cats and dogs are the only pets that you have. That's why we said... Uh... Like pets part one mm-hmm. or pets mm-hmm. and horror part one. Cause yeah, we're going to have at least another part where we'll focus more on the others. Absolutely. Yeah. It's exciting yeah, this was times. A, I was like, I had fun with this episode. Cause yeah. Who doesn't love talking about our furry little friends. Mickey just woke up and is staring at me. And like, you know, when dogs stare at you with like the white of their eyes, like he's oh, surprised. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I go, who's a good boy. Who's a good boy. Oh, Mick my knickknack patty whack. Yeah, big yawn. Oh my goodness, right? You're not Cujo. You're not going to eat me, are you? Who knows? We'll see what happens. No promises. No promises. Um, but yeah, so we'll continue with this, and we're also going to have some guests on soon, I think-ish. Yep, um, hopefully. I was thinking, um, even though Valentine's Day is a little ways away, I think we should maybe do something like Valentine's Day horror, because we didn't do that last year. No, we didn't because, well, we were, yeah, because we'd recorded like right before that, like the week before. Yeah. And I'm not a big Valentine's Day person. I actually despise the holiday, but um, I, we could do something fun with it. We could even eat like junk food and shit. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll send you a box of chocolates and flowers and make it a true Valentine's Day gift. Don't you fucking And send I'll bring you a mushy thing. love letter telling oh, us my God. how Don't much you, you mean to me. Dare. And say, be my Valentine, oh. Heather. Oh, my God. You know what's going to happen? You've seen that movie Valentine? That's going to happen to you. Oh. That's what's going to happen. Oh, like the, the romantic with... comedy Valentine. Yes. Okay, no, sweet. The, awesome. The Yay. You ever see the slasher one where <laughs> yeah, like I... she opens the fucking Valentine's Day box and what is it? Like bugs or something that's in the yep. <laughs> fucking chocolates or whatever it is? Fuck that movie. Or we can buy Bloody Valentine, the original and the remake. Yep. And I think there's also X-Ray or also known as Hospital Massacre. That is a Valentine's Day movie You're loosely based on Valentine's. I know that this is Minnie and this is X-Ray. Also known as How's it going? My name's Scott Crawford. You're such a shit. <laughs> I know all the movies. You that's know why you, well, that's why you have me here to bring the random knowledge of stupid I know. movies. And I'm like, I know five movies. <laughs> uh, you, I'm not it. That, Missy. Okay. I know 10 movies. <laughs> there you go. There you go. You got it. Out of you. <laughs> but yeah, that's what you had to look forward to here on uh, Friday Nightmares is more pet talk because it makes yep. Scott and I happy and it's January quarantine and we're sad. <laughs> yep. More pet talk and definitely some lovey dovey mushy stuff just for Heather for Valentine's Day. Oh. <laughs> it's like being in a horror movie. You know, if this was, if you were the rabid shepherd and I was the chick, <laughs> most people would want the chick to die. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> Like in every scenario, you are the protagonist. <laughs> I am the antagonist. Yes, uh, this is a hundred percent accurate. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, that's how I feel. That's all true. So true. And I'll just always just tell you how much I love you, and you're just going, Ugh. "Oh, will you stop with that? Oh my god, <laughs> don't make me vomit all over my keyboard." But I love you, Heather. Oh, oh my god, you're so 
Okay, Smoke Show is taking applications for girlfriends. Can we please get him a girlfriend? He's a lot of work, and I can't, I can't handle this being in another country. And now he's saying that he's in Ontario. He's making up cities in Ontario that doesn't even fucking exist. I've already snuck over, and I'm across that border. So you can live in Ontario. Yeah, anyway. but I'll be knocking on your door on Valentine's Day with a box of chocolates. What is Valentine's Day? Hold on. Let's see what that day is, because I'd like to get the discounted chocolate afterwards. Um, <laughs> and you know what the thing is, is I, I think if people like to celebrate Valentine's Day, all the power to them. Like, I yeah. don't, I'm not one of these people that go, oh, it's a Sunday. I don't, one of these people that need to go around and shit on people's parades. Like, if you, if you like Valentine's Day and that day is important to you and it's important to you and your significant other that is awesome i just find that it, it sets off a lot of like people that are single or people that have been just got out of relationships or it can make people feel really lonely so yeah. that's why i don't like it is you know and for me singled or coupled up i just always like valentine's day for the love and the friendship of it but some people have a really hard time like it's a really right. hard day for some people oh it definitely is right um not for scott because he's got all the pussy but <laughs> for some of some people it may be hard like when you got when you're smoke show, like always hard, <laughs> always hard. Next time on like, Friday Nightmares, like this, always. <laughs> he's holding up his fist. By the way, everyone, mm. he's, he's, I don't know what he's doing. These dog movies. He's he's actually more upset because he feels like strays is his life, and he's wondering if that's how things are going to end. Oh, I'm not wondering. That's how things are going to end. <laughs> He's going to be like, all right, Heather said crawl out. <laughs> he goes to Carl and the cat's all like fucking swarmy. He's like, nope, yep. should have ran. <laughs> and I become cat chow. <laughs> well, this has been a slice as always. Everyone stay safe. Um, keep living your best quarantine life if you live in the province of Ontario. And, like uh, me? Yeah, like Scott, Shorts Creek, Michigan, Ontario, Canada. <laughs> the newest location. Um, and I, I guess the whole town over. He's not a whole. He, when he immigrated to Canada, he immigrated hard. I sure did. <laughs> he's like, no one's gonna fucking hold me back. I'm bringing everything with me. <laughs> Can't put a baby in a corner. <laughs> That's really funny. All right. <laughs> Well, on that note, Scotty, do you have anything to say to the nice people until next time? Yes. Um, until next time, pet your uh, pet your kitties, pet your dogs. You almost said pet your pussy. <laughs> I was going to say pet your pets. I wasn't going to go there. Are you sure you weren't going to say pet your pussy? <laughs> no. No, I was not. <laughs> okay. I promise you that. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Uh, okay. Pet your doggos, pet your kitties, tell them they're good boys, tell them they're good kitties. Uh, and we'll be sharing lots of pictures of ours as like the week goes on, I am sure. But until next time, unpleasant dreams. Hey, you Who's pussy. a good boy? Who's a good boy? <laughs> <laughs>